This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Taking you through another week, another uh, week of information, tools, everything you need to live a healthier, happier life, and uh, take you to the next level of Trump life. We're going to get you through this thing. Still, all weekend, everyone's talking about Donald Trump. He's the president-elect. He was on 60 Minutes. He's saying a lot of things he didn't say in the election. Telling his people to quit, you know, discriminating. Quit being jerks. Do you think it'll work? Um, no. <laughs> we'll be talking with uh, Joe Cannon today about uh, the latest uh, updates on um, President-elect Trump, his cabinet picks, Reince Priebus, apparently uh, the next chief of staff, Steve O'Bannon. Just going to be a special advisor. Bannon. Oh, is it Bannon? It's not not O'Bannon. He's not Irish. He, well, he could be. Who knows? Maybe he lost the O. Maybe you dropped the O along the way, yeah. Speaking of O, Oprah is making comments, too. She was, she was, uh, she found a little hope in the meeting with Obama and Trump. Hmm. And everyone's like, okay, now, Oprah, you need to run. (laughs) Who knows if she'll want to do that. Got a lot to talk about with Joe Cannon, Um, everything we can talk about when it comes to Trump. Um, So many people, I mean, interesting, the moon is out, that moon that is super moon. moon. It makes you wonder. As it says, it's the closest full moon we'll have till 2034, so get out there and enjoy it, except it's probably gone now. It's gone. Go enjoy that moon. (laughs) But don't you find it ironic that... As this moon is going through its phases and we're, we're getting the biggest moon we've had in 60 years, we also got had this weird anomaly in the presidency. Right. Do you think they're connected? Uh, they might be. And the Cubs won the World and Series. the Cubs won the World Series. Comes in threes. Something. We're looking for one more thing. I was approved for a mortgage. Huh? It's done. It's a miracle. <laughs> we just did it. There's, that was four. Except that's... Yeah, I mean, Trump, the supermoon, the Cubs, and Jeff got a mortgage. So wait, does this mean sure. we're now all saints because these no. miracles were completed? No. Oh. It's going to take more than that to make us all saints. Not to be rude. What do you do? Survive the weekend? I watched a little Sunday night football. Mm. That was a great game. I, th- there were several games yesterday went right down to the end. It was great. The Cowboys are, I think they have the best record in the NFL right now. I know. What is that about? There's another anomaly. Another anomaly. And three of the top four teams lost in NCAA football. That was fun to watch. That was really fun to watch. This is not This is a good time. So sure, Trump threw a curveball. Eh. This is a good time to be alive. This is uh, from the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. People with knowledge of Trump's meeting on Thursday with President Obama told the journal Obama realized that Trump, who has no experience in government or the military, will need more guidance. And he will spend more time with him than previously expected. As Obama explained the duties that come along with running the country, Trump seemed surprised by the scope. The journal reports and Trump aides were also unaware that the entire presidential staff working in the West Wing had to be replaced at the end of Obama's term. What? 
Surprise. The meeting was supposed to be 10 to 15 minutes and went for an hour and a half. Yeah. He's like, we got to get, what? We got to, you're not leaving these people? Oh, no. We take them with us. They're all fired. Something, you know, he's used to saying, I guess, but now he's got to hire a whole West Wing. That's why he was so shell-shocked. Might be a bit further than they expected. He needs to hire Martin Sheen. There you go. And Rob Lowe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, The whole cast. They know how to do it. Of West Wing. There are 4,000 jobs he needs to fill. Oh, boy. Right? 1,000 of them have to be vetted by Congress. Maybe what he ought to do is just – let's just fill 3,000 of the four. Yeah. And make make it work. And then demand from every department in the government that they do the same thing. Everyone cut by 5%. Yeah. Now, that's a lot of jobs. Yeah. But, you know, there's some people that could retire early. And he's a jobs president, right? So isn't that kind of counter to his message? And he's good at – well, he's also good at firing. Okay. He, he's doing his part too because apparently he's only going to take a $1 salary. Hmm. Is he really? That's what he said in the 60 Minutes. Apparently he's lost uh, He's lost like a billion dollars, his companies have. Or they've actually found that they were only worth so many billions. Shh. It's a secret. Nobody knew about that. Surprise, surprise. We'll get to all that fun. Uh, more with Joe Cannon as well. See what's uh, going on politically around the world. But first, let's get to Sadie Nielsen. Find out about the headlines. Sadie, what's going on around the rest of the country? According to a press release from Donald Trump's campaign, the president-elect has selected Reince Priebus as his White House chief of staff, while Stephen Bannon will serve as chief strategist and senior counselor. Bannon, who ran the conservative website Breitbart, was under consideration for chief of staff position. Priebus was the head of the Republican National Committee and helped Trump with resources and guidances during his successful run. President-elect Donald Trump pledged in on a 60-minute Sunday night to deport two to three million undocumented immigrants with criminal records. The total U.S. prison population is 2.2 million, so it is unlikely that there are as many as two to three million undocumented criminals roaming free. Once the border is secure, Trump added, his administration will make a determination as to how many of the remaining undocumented immigrants living in the country will be deported. The president-elect confirmed that he is still committed to building a wall along the southern border of Mexico. CNN's Jake Tapper suggested while interviewing Trump surrogate Rudy Giuliani on Sunday that a blind trust, in which the Trump family would have no control over the business during the Trump presidency, would be a better signal of honesty and accountability. Giuliani disagreed, argued that such an arrangement would put the Trump children out of a job. It's unrealistic to say you're going to take away the business from the three people who are running it, he said. You'd be putting them out of the work. He maintained there's no conflict of interest with the family company and the future Trump administration. And finally, we have a lovely story here about a restaurant thief. Uh, Police are seeking information about a Florida man who was seen on video stealing a gumball machine from a local restaurant. Huh? Here's the catch. Um, While he was caught on footage, he spoke with an employee before lifting the gumball machine and carrying it out through the front door. He told employees that he had to take the machine outside to be serviced when he loaded it into an unknown vehicle and drove away. It was valued at $800. Wow. So I watched this surveillance video. He walks in, talks to these employees. The employees don't even really say anything. They just kind of like, they look like they ask him another question. Then he... Goes and picks it up and walks right out with it. 
<laughs> you know, I guess that's, that's how disconnected we all are. I it, guess so. If somebody walked into our building and just started, you know, wheeling out a vending machine. No one all, would we, question it, like, I guess. Oh, good. Yeah. What's, what are you going to put in its place? Yeah, it was We wouldn't hilarious. say anything. Huh. That's, <sighs> I guess that's kind of a daring, smart criminal. Yeah, I guess so. Cause... And maybe it also shows the rest of us. Come on, focus, folks. <laughs> good stuff. Hmm, Sadie, you just gave me a really good idea. Oh, no. Trying to send my kids to camp this fall. Oh, that's horrible to say. All right. Well, there's another way to be a crooked criminal. Thanks, Sadie. Um, speaking of crooked criminals, no. What do we... Um, we got so much to talk about, really. Donald Trump, the news came out that Donald Trump told Chris Christie that he's going to be... He'll be out by, I think, fall. Didn't he say – maybe he didn't say a specific time, but I don't know that – he said, I don't, this oh, yeah. was last year in 2015. I don't know how long I'm going to be in this. I so, don't think I'm going to last long. I'll just read a CNN reporting. Donald Trump reportedly didn't think his presidential campaign would survive past October 2015. Yeah. Um, he said that he would get out. He would endorse Chris Christie and that uh, that would be it. it. He'd be Done. out. He'd have his, his – you know, chance of being in the limelight, and then it would fall apart as he probably ex- as he expected. Say according, what? To the re- according to the report, and then hand it off to Chris Christie. Yeah, Chris. Then Chris Christie could write it in because he was so proud of how Christie took on Rubio. Yeah. Rubio was the enemy of Christie and Trump, so he's like Christie. You know, demolished Rubio. So I don't know how much longer I'll last. Then we'll turn it over to you, Chris. And but how much of that is real, and how much of that is? But when you think about it, it actually makes sense. Because how many times have we said on the show that it doesn't even look like Trump really wants this? Mm-hmm. So about a year ago, I think he was just playing around. And then he just one by one, ping, 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 started knocking off Republicans. Mm. That's the sound of a really simple gun. Right. At the carnival. Yeah. <laughs> Hitting metal targets, by right. the way. So. Um, bing, bing, bing. There it is. There it is. He's doing it himself. Again, we were just talking about how Trump has picked Reince Priebus, who was the head of the Republican National Committee, Mm -hmm. to be his chief of staff, which is the top advisor. He's the big dog. Which is funny because if Trump would have lost, then Priebus probably would have been out of a job. Yeah. The committee would have – he would have been fired. Well, except – But because they won, then he – Yeah, Priebus killed, yeah. Yeah, so it's really interesting how both parties, if they would have won, everything's great. But yeah. they lose, and it's lighter on fire. <laughs> right. In fact, they're lighting on fire the DNC. Yes. They're having infighting, and we've reports of meetings turning into yelling matches, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, so now that you, we were talking about the fact that Reince Priebus is the chief of staff, so he's the one that pretty much runs the entire president's office. Mm-hmm. Reince! Reince Priebus! <laughs> that sounds so negative when you say it that way, Jeffrey. <laughs> And then Steve O'Bannon is now known as Top Advisor. Yes. You keep saying O'Bannon. I know I do. Steve Bannon. Oh. Maybe he's I gotta trying get in there to somewhere. suppress his Irish yes. for fear of I think he is. Trump. Well, there used to be a day that the Irish were really looked down upon. Hmm. So he's probably O'Bannon, then he got rid of the O. Yeah. So Oprah should just be pra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. I love that pra. You mean 
Oprah? No, she's I, not I, Irish. I like Harpo myself, but that's a good name. No. Um, what do you think about the uh, the idea of Chris Christie? What position would he now take? I don't know. They moved him out of the transition team. He was the head of that and team. Have you heard why? Uh, I read some things this morning that they're really behind on appointments. They're really behind on uh, the work they needed to do to be ready for inauguration day and to be able to, as they say, hit the ground running. Got to hit it running. And so they needed to move him out so they could put somebody in to uh, kind of jumpstart all this. So they put Mike Pence in charge. Which is fantastic. But Pence is in charge, but I mean, there's a whole, like... Uh, there's a team, Ma- a committee. Mike, governor, former Utah Governor Mike Levin, yeah. he's involved, and we've had him on to talk about certain issues. We've had uh, some other uh, political science-type guests come on and talk about how Mike Levitt is one of these guys that's kind of spearing this, uh, or spearheading this movement to get this transition to yeah. become more of an important issue because you need to get the government running. You have to, you have to replace the entire government. You don't in have a few time months. to wait, and apparently, you can't lollygag. Chris Christie wasn't getting the job done, so they moved him out. Christopher. So then the question is, where does he end up? Does that hurt him? Does he end up like his he'll the, be in the cabinet somewhere? Transportation Labor. secretary. That's the joke. Yeah. Shut down bridges, right? Yeah, yeah. You want him <laughs> over bridges. But he, he, I really think Rudy Giuliani will be the attorney general. And that's one that Chris Christie kind of wanted. Right. So if let's say that's taken, then where do you put Chris? You put him over Homeland Security. Homeland Security. Right. And you put him in charge of terrorism. He, as he kept talking about, he was right there, 9 11. He yeah. helped out. He's going to stop it. He, he was in Jersey, but he can still. Do, he can put a <laughs> lock on a bridge, he can slow down traffic. Right. Yeah, he'll be He's great. tough on crime. He was a U.S. attorney for the well, the Eastern District or whatever it was. Uh, by the way, I heard Carly Fiorina. They're really pushing on her to run for Senate and um, to take Tim Kaine's place. Mm. Tim Kaine will then because he's – oh, but he lost. Is he still in the Senate? Yeah, he still has his job. So, yeah, never mind. It's not going to happen. So maybe they'll bring her in, Carly Fiorina. He, Donald Trump, I think is going is going to want to push a lot of – uh, female in his females into his cabinet, mm-hmm. so he loses that stigma? history, that stigma. <laughs> his Twitter of being feed, such a sexist. <laughs> but in his business, he has a lot of females, and they're well paid. Right, his daughter. So, so we kept hearing a lot about his daughter. Um, yeah. By the way, yeah. So Trump on sixty minutes last night. They're talking about the protesters. People are still unhappy about this. They're they're demonstrating their anger. Right. In the streets. And um, play clip, uh, what is it here? Clip seven. Do you want to say anything to those people? I would say don't do it. That's terrible. Because I'm going to bring this country together. They're harassing Latinos, Muslims. I am so saddened to hear that. And I say stop it if it if it helps. I, I will say this, and I'll say it right to the camera, stop it. We've talked about stop it before. Yeah. That's right. Just stop it. Just stop it. It's really good. Um, he needs to say that about a thousand times more. Yes. And then maybe more importantly, he needs to unify the country. And so one of the things everyone's saying, well, if you just immediately appoint somebody to go, a special prosecutor to go after Hillary Clinton, that's not going to improve uh, really anything. This is well, Trump's I'll tell you take. what I'm going to do. I'm going to think about it. Um, I feel that I want to focus on jobs. I want to focus on health care. 
I want to focus on the border and immigration and doing a really great immigration bill. We want to have a great immigration bill. And I want to focus on all of these other things that we've been talking about you, you know, you, and get the country straightened away. You, you called her crooked Hillary, said you wanted to get in jail. Your people in your audiences kept saying, lock him up. Yeah. Well, she uh, did, do you want she to did put some a, bad things. I mean, she I did know, some bad things. I know, but a special prosecutor? You I think don't want to might... hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. They're, they're good people. I will give you a very, very good and definitive answer the next time we do 60 Minutes Together. I'll answer your question next time. They're good people. Yeah, we'll get back to that question next time I do. On whether I'm going to lock up the my opponent. By the way, apparently they've also he says they've talked since the election to the Clintons, Hmm. both of them, and they're good people. They're good people. Remember, she was a criminal. Allegedly, we were all joking that he was only in the race to hand it over to Hillary. Yes. That initially, there was a right, meeting because they were buddies with Donald with uh, what Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. There was a conspiracy that he was just like a smokescreen to, to make it easier for Hillary Clinton to win the White House. Wouldn't that be crazy if that were really the case? And then it backfire. And then and then he just he just bait and switched her. I mean, he's the greatest negotiator in the history of all the world. So we'll get to all that fun. We'll talk more about all of this with uh, Joe Cannon up next, our Washington insider, Joe in the know. We call him. We understand. Half of the country, according to a new poll, half of the country, half of Americans have a negative view of the country's future after Trump's election. Reins! Reins, please! Stick with us, folks. We'll let uh, Joe in the know help fill in some of the gaps. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world today. We'll be back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, when you hear that music from Bob, D- Bob Dylan, you know Joe Cannon must be uh, hanging on the phone lines. Uh, joining us, a chairman, a past chairman of the Utah Republican Party, also candidate for U.S. Senate, served in the Reagan administration, was an editor of the Deseret News, and is currently CEO of uh, Fuel Freedom Foundation, an organization that's trying to lower your fuel costs. He's Joe in the know, we call him. He is our Washington insider and is giving us uh, his valuable time to help us, allow us to pick his brain on what is going on politically in the world. Joe, thanks again for being with us, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Though I've I've got a suggestion. I think maybe we need to change the intro music from uh, living in a political world to the times they are a changing. (laughs) That's so true. Have you seen anything like this? I mean... The Democrat. This it about two weeks ago, all we were hearing is how the Republicans are done. I mean, this could be the end of the Republican Party. They're going to have to completely revamp. And now, since the election, this is the end of the Democratic Party. They're going to have to completely revamp. They have a complete uh, void of leadership. What What do you see going on? Well, there is so much to unpack in this uh, in this election. First, I would say we have seen something a little bit like this, and that was the Reagan election in 1980. Uh, it, it was not quite as unpredicted, but, but I would say almost no one expected uh, Ronald Reagan to win or win back the Senate. 
so the House still stayed Democrat Democratic. So it's uh, you know it's not totally unprecedented, at, at least at the structural level. Though I think what did happen Tuesday is pretty much unprecedented, for sure in in my lifetime, the lifetime of many others. So. How do yeah, you? Uh... He seems. He seems um, like after the meeting with Obama, President Obama, Do- Donald Trump, President Elect, seemed a little. He seemed much more humbled, much more in a way overwhelmed. What do you think's going through his head? You've been in a. You've been in a transition uh, with an administration. What does that look like? Well. Uh... First of all, I do think that uh, his acceptance speech and his actions on the the next day, the meetings, were very classy on his part and very classy on President Obama and Secretary Clinton's part. I think that all that piece was handled by all you know both sides really, really well. I mean, it was it really is a testament to one of the greatest strengths of our country. Uh, you know, historically. So I thought that, you know, kind of this peaceful transition of power, it's, it's really not just a cliche. It's its a very, danger, uh, a very dangerous time in any country. And it's very precious uh, and hard fought that we are institutionally and structurally set up so that there is this peaceful transition, especially when the sides are so different and increasingly different, as you point out. You know, 50% of the people are worried about the future of the country. Well, it was a 50-50 election. Right. It's and exactly it what you 50-50 think. 50-50 where some of the, there was sort of slightly one standard deviation on one side and one standard deviation on the other side. There's a huge divide on, on what people think is the right thing. It's, it's very deep. Isn't this normal in an election where it's hard to hold if you have one person in the presidency or one party in in the presidency for eight years, it's very common to have it switch. Is this is this more than just that switch? Well, it's very hard, but both The New York Times and The Washington Post have had stories on sort of the depth of the Republican victory. And if you just look at in isolation of what happened on Tuesday, well, you know, Republicans lost a few in the House. They lost a little in the Senate, but they still control the Senate. They still control the House. They picked up three governorships. Mm. So, so they got like 33. At, yeah. So if you look back to 2008, Senate, the Democrats, this is just this, and this is from a Washington Post article that the Senate Democrats are down. 10 percent, 10 plus percent. House Democrats are down 19 plus percent. State legislators, legislatures are down 20 percent. Democrat, Democrat number of Democrat legislators, number of Democrat governors down 35 percent. So you see that, you know, right now, 25 states, half of the states in the country have a Republican governor and all Republican legislators legislatures, mm. both houses, 20 other states. So we're getting up to, you know, 45 states here have uh, some form of control, either a Republican governor or a house and or state Senate controlled by the Republicans. Only four states, only four states have an all Democrat governor, house and Senate in their state. state. So the depth of this is 
pretty awesome. So, I mean, this, this reflects a trend uh, going forward. I think the anomaly is is that some guy comes along and gets the Republican nomination who lots of people don't think is a Republican and uh, is, is an anomaly, doesn't have any experience. Um, so <laughs> that that's the anomaly. Yeah. But there's an undergirding trend, or that's the, the perceived anomaly, that, but there, there's this undergirding trend that's been going on for, for some years. This is, yeah, this isn't... Um... So the, the kind of that that lean conservative, it's it seems it seems to be a lot bigger than anyone's giving it credit for. Is it um, is do, do you sense you heard I sure the news that uh, Chris Christie and Donald Trump talked last year and Donald was saying back in October of last year that he didn't think he would be in very long and then he would throw his his uh, support towards Christie. I mean that's that's pretty interesting news that he didn't he didn't think he'd be in that long. Well, who knows even now who knows what has always been or will be in Donald Trump's mind. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I for for certain it was it's certain that that he was running as an outsider, and I think even he in his quiet maybe possibly humbler moments wondered could he take out you know more than a dozen serious republican candidates and he did and so i think as that became more and more apparent he started talking about a movement and, mm. and it was a movement yeah. it's hard to say that it wasn't a movement um, I, mean, I wouldn't say no one predicted that he was going to win but almost no one did and none of the traditional polling mechanisms saw it i know now the pollsters the i'll call, call it the the Empire Strikes Back, the, the pollsters are all saying, no, we got lots of things right. We just missed a few things here and there. Well, the few things here and there were like of the 300, there were 300 counties that uh, were totally for Obama in 2008 and 2012. A very significant chunk. I don't remember the number, but like just in round numbers, say a third of those counties went for Trump. And they were all Democrat counties for a long time. So there, there was a significant erosion there that was simply not predicted. Yeah, by by any poll. Do you sense this helps Donald um, because he didn't come in as a politician? He didn't fight as a politician. He's not really beholden to even a party per se. Um, I mean, I, they, he is, but he also was a renegade that fought him the entire way. Does does he have more latitude? than maybe any president has had recently to to get stuff done? Well, yes. I mean, I think the answer to that is yes. And we talked last week, uh, you know, the in the aftermath where we hadn't even fully assimilated everything that happened on Wednesday. Uh, we talked a little bit about role theory. Yeah, right. And, you know, uh, Harry Truman became, in many people's minds and my own mind, for whatever that's worth, a, a, a great president from someone who no one, probably including himself, thought could be a great president. Mm. So the, the office has a, an enormous effect. I mean, there, now it's not a reality show. Now it is real things happening in real time, real danger, real threats. Uh, you know, I, I want to make a little footnote here. I mean, people will say that he is not prepared for this. Well, I, and I mean no disrespect truly to President Obama, but he was basically 
a one-term state senator. He was elected to the U.S. Senate, but he was running for the president from the moment he got elected. Mm. So he never really – it's hard to say that Trump is any less qualified than President Obama was on the day he took office. Right. Uh, and he's had a much deeper had a much deeper life experience. So I think there's certain things in his life experience which could really help here. But the enormity of the presidency itself is it, it, it has its own shaping forces, which you can't really calculate. Yeah. And I do think I do think he was sobered, uh, and I think that uh, that was evident in his in his remarks right after. And he is trying to heal things. Now, to get to your real question, okay, he's not really Republican, right, but he disappointed his chief of staff as the chairman of the Republican Party. <laughs> exactly. And I think that shows a lot of things. But the first two decisions, uh, Priebus and um, Bannon, yeah. show, show two very similar patterns of all presidents. And let's just take President Obama. His closest and deepest advisor is Valerie Jarrett, hmm. who holds roughly the same position that Steve Bannon holds. And I believe people inside the Democratic Party, as well as Republicans, viewed Valerie Jarrett. And I, I'm speaking with actual knowledge of, of a number of Democrats who just feared her, hmm. feared that she, she was the bad angel. She was the she was the devil on one shoulder, you know, whereas uh, other uh, there was uh, there are other angels on the other on the other shoulder. Well, Trump has done, and and you go back to the Kennedy Johnson. There are all kinds of, uh, of examples of where you've got somebody who's sort of the loyal Carl Rove idea, with Bush, yeah. pure the ideologically pure guy um, who's there, but then the government is actually run by people who know you have to you have to run the government. So I think that mm. the choice of Priebus shows lots of things. It shows that Trump values loyalty. Priebus came on early and said, look, he's our guy. I'm the chairman of the Republican Party. The Republican Party just nominated Donald Trump. We're all in. Right. I'm, all, I'm all in for him. And so there's that. But it's also a signal. You know, already you have some of the alt, so-called alt-right people attacking Trump for, quote, picking someone who is just like who he ran against the establishment that he ran against. So there's already, A, a little tension on that side, B, but showing that uh, Trump is, you know, rising above that. And and is going to get stuff done. He he needs to move Congress, even though they're Republicans. He needs to get the Senate and the House to do his work, and Reince Priebus can probably move them. He could probably help a lot. And, you know, so I think it's, it's a, a coincidence, but maybe a happy coincidence, that uh, you have two Wisconsinites in, right. in this picture <laughs> that that, uh, that are pretty pretty close to each other and have been pretty close to each other over time. So, so that's a good thing. Interesting. Let's do this. Let's 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 take a break, Joe. Come back and uh, continue the discussion. I want to talk about the protesters. Is there a way to turn uh, a lot of this, you know, backlash? Is it just go away with change and time? How does that work? And then his first 100 days, we keep hearing talk about uh, health care initiative on day one, a special session maybe being held about health care. We're talking with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. Joe in the know, we call him, from fuelfreedom.org. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. There's a battle outside and it's 
it's raging It'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls For the times they are changing Welcome back, friends. Ah, there it is for Joe Cannon. The times they are changing. Uh, Joe Cannon joins us again, um, uh, the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which is an organization trying to lower your fuel costs. We like to bring Joe on the show because he's Joe in the know. He just knows a lot of people back in D.C. and can give us some of the inside scoop sometimes. Joe, thanks again. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I was in the... uh depending on how you look at it, the heart of darkness or the city of light last week in Washington. <laughs> was it dark? Were, uh, what were people saying in the hotel uh, and as oh, you walked I, around I town? A, I had a number of meetings where I was the only Republican in the meeting, and it was, <laughs> uh, it was just like the uh, – I had a meeting at the Department of Energy, which in places like a tomb. I mean, people were just <laughs> – Literally, people are walking around in not just there, but lots of places, just in shell shock. Yeah. I, I guess I do want to say one thing. I, I've been many friends, and probably you do too, and some of our listeners are engaging in Schadenfreude today. Schadenfreude. What is that? Schadenfreude is a wonderful German word, which means. Uh, pleasure derived from another person's misfortune. Mm. So yeah, but you have a lot of Republicans out there just um, gloating, uh, gloating, and just for the record, since you're looking for the good in the world, yeah, that's a sin. Yeah, Schadenfreude is a sin. Proverbs twenty four seventeen says, "Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth; let not thy heart be glad when he stumbleth." Right. So, and look at it. <laughs> look at it in a real light. I mean, Donald Trump brings a lot of stuff he said, done, been accused of. I mean, charged with going to court for stuff that isn't something we're normally proud about. It's real. Right. Yeah. No. No. I mean, that's what I right. hear all the time. Is Oh, boy, what are we going to tell our kids? And, you know, Van Jones brought that up. What do I tell my kids the next day when the bully wins? Um, that's and you hear that in the protests. How do we how does Trump change what he's known for to become a, a great president so we can all benefit? Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll just see. He's going to have his first hundred days. He's going to do things. I think almost every signal he sent since the night of his, uh, since the morning, early, early morning, I should say, of his acceptance speech, uh, since that time, all of the statements have been pretty conciliatory, uh, respectful of his opponents. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it gives you some glimmer of, of hope. Uh, I, I think if you set out to unite and and mollify and pacify these protesters. I don't think, I doubt that he's going to move on that strategy. I think, by the way, it's incredibly ironic, given how people were so nervous with Trump and his people uh, accept the results of the election. Mm-hmm. I think at the, at the leadership level, you know, President Obama and Secretary Clinton have done an admirable job, but uh, a, a lot there's a lot less that's admirable going on in these uh in these protests, yeah. but I think how he how he treats people going forward, uh, how he, you know, what his policies are, 
will will tell. We you know I, we don't know. I mean, he was kind of up and down, inconsistent in a lot of different things in the campaign, and you know we'll just see how how he he governs. He's he's talked about a lot of things he wants to get done initially. Um, from Obamacare to, uh, you know, the wall. I mean, he's made a lot of promises. Where do you think he should begin? Well, where do I think he should begin <laughs> would be probably different than where he thinks he should yeah. begin. But uh, he, he's staked out, uh, you know, as you point out, some significant positions on immigration, on trade, on environmental issues, uh some of those he has enormous power in as the president. I, I saw one one of these memes going around uh, a picture of President Obama's staff saying, "When you when you spend uh, eight years weaponizing the office of the presidency for power, when when do you see the consequences of that when the power's you know with, mm. with your opponent?" And uh, so he has he has a lot of he has a lot of uh, power. In, in those areas. In immigration, there's a, lot, there's a lot he could do by executive order, including undo everything that President Obama did by executive order. That, can, that part could happen on day one. Mm. He, can't, he can't build a wall on day one. Um, and the wall is becoming more of an amorphous image now, both from Trump's own mouth as well as his surrogates. Uh, but he'll have to do something because that's what he said he would do. So he's going to do something on immigration. I think he'll start the process of looking at those trade agreements uh, right off. I I don't know all of the powers. I mean, they are treaties ratified by the Senate, but he will clearly, he's clearly going to look at NAFTA. I think the TPP is pretty close to dead. Don't know his exact status, but whatever it is, whatever was done by executive power he can undo by executive power. I think you'll see uh, efforts to open up energy production. Some of that is within his power. Some of it still takes congressional action. A lot of the things that he's talked about from a regulatory standpoint, um, you can't just go in and wave a wand and undo regulations. That that takes a much more surgical uh, and and principled approach because those are those are subject to laws and uh, also court cases um but i think he'll you know he's got a bunch of smart people uh on his transition team what do you think about because you, you were in the epa one of the things he brought up as one of his promises is the the epa might disappear uh department of education might disappear get rid of common core what, um, I mean, the Department of Education, I guess, would go back to the states. Um, what would you – what do you think about – I mean, that's dismantling an entire department. I mean, that's a that's near impossible, isn't it? Well, the Department of Education and the Department of Energy are quite different from EPA. So EPA is weirdly – EPA was the creature of an executive order by President Richard Nixon. So that's mm. how EPA came to be was uh, by an executive order. However, EPA administers multiple statutes, multiple significant, deeply embedded statutes, uh, which have uh, now decades of court interpretation and regulatory uh, interpretation. That can't be undone by the stroke of a pen. And, and I, 
I, I don't know anybody in the transition team that says, okay, we should abolish EPA. Yeah. There are some changes he could make and maybe should make at EPA, but he won't make it if he goes about it the way that Ronald Reagan went about it by appointing somebody from the outside who came in and in day one, it was confrontational, but it was confrontation without the, the substantive ability to do to undertake the kind of changes needed. So all you ended up was with a big, big fight on your hands. Mm. So I think, but I bet there are people on his transition team who understand that very, very well. I, I, interestingly, the Heritage Foundation, which played a very big role in the Reagan transition, is also playing a very big role in the um, Trump transition. Mm. So early on, Heritage uh, said, okay, we're all in with Trump, and they were loyal, and they worked hard, and and their reward is they have a very big seat at the table in this transition, whereas other think tanks like Cato and uh, the American Enterprise Institute, both of which had some pretty significant never-Trumpers, it's not – there are Cato people and AEI people involved, but not nearly to the extent – the Reagan transition team started out in the offices of the American Enterprise Institute. When I went to work initially, when I started doing my little whatever I did on the transition, it was in the offices of the hmm. American Enterprise Institute. Now that moved after the elections, and that moved to um, you know more formal headquarters. But AEI isn't playing near the role this time as it did in earlier administrations. Do you think – earlier transitions. That's, uh, that's interesting because um, I also look at you, – you look at the system of, of really transitioning to a new government. Uh, I, guess, I guess some of the supporters that went to the White House with Trump were allegedly surprised that they'd have to replace most of the White House staff. And um, it was like they were shocked by some of these new insights, which seems interesting to me. Do, do you, in the end of this transition, he has to choose a cabinet, which is, is uh, it seems like a very political kind of thing. Um, but then he has to institute 4,000 positions, about 1,000 of right. which have to go through Congress and the Supreme Court nominees. There's a lot to do over the next few months um, but I'm assuming he does have a lot of support from people like the Heritage Foundation and others that are backing and support and filling in some of the gaps for him. Right. You know, I, I noticed there was some of that confusion among some people. But I, look, I, I don't want to overstate this. I, I've spent some time with the Trump transition folks. And, uh, no, there are plenty of very smart people who get what has to happen in choosing 4,000 people. There are already personnel procedures set up. They're already reviewing names, hmm. not just at the cabinet level, yeah. but but below the cabinet level. Uh, so that, that process is, is ongoing and has been since June. Hmm. So since, since Christie yeah. came, came, since Christie was named the head of transition. Now, now Donald Trump didn't spend much time with this as, as, really no candidates do until the election. And uh, so it's, it's actually, by the way, no surprise that he put Pence in charge of uh, the transition. I mean, why do you think that, that happened? I mean, there was some scuttle of that. It just wasn't moving fast enough. But why Pence? Pence is the vice president. 
and Bush did exactly the same thing. Uh, w George W. Bush had his one of his best pals was running the transition team during the election, and right as soon as they were, uh, as soon as it became clear, which in 2000 wasn't for a while, uh, but uh, Cheney was put in charge of the transition. Hmm. And, that's great. And I, so that's a, a particularly unusual uh, to do that. And 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 in the case of Bush and in the case of Trump, they both said their vice presidents are going to have a, a, an outsized role in the management of, of policy. So. Hmm. I think um, that that's that's not an atypical thing. Okay. One more question. Um, It seems like as I look at uh, the fact that there were so many executive orders, President Obama could very quickly have a big percentage of his legacy just erased with health care acts, with all of those executive orders. I guess the inability to, to work with. And create legislation with Congress um, means your legacy can be erased. Well, two there are two really big facts that you just uh, alluded to. One is everything that President Obama did with quote a pen and a phone close quote all of that can be undone, mm. and that all of and virtually all of that will be undone. The second thing that is different from any transition in at least in in um, modern times since since uh, well since Linda Johnson I guess you you have a, a powerful president and you have the Senate and the House all lined up so there's really so uh, quite a lot of things can get done in terms of regulatory mm-hmm. reform uh, taming the regulatory state which is a big item on many Republicans agenda agendas that can be done well that can't be undone by by the uh, by executive order, but it can be undone or modified or limited in major in a major way by congressional and presidential action together, both substantively on the oversight uh, part of Congress on the laws that it passes, but also on the budget. The budget is a is a very very significant tool. Um, so you know when I went into the Reagan administration. We had a yeah, we had a Republican president. We had David Stockman, but we had a Democrat House, and the House is really in those days, and and I think we'll see a return to that. The budget place, the place that where this you know substantive budgets take place. So one thing we haven't had, I know we have to run, but one thing we haven't had for eight years, the government has been run by a series of continuing revolutions, mm-hmm. not by a series of surgically developed. Uh, budgets right. by agency and department, and that that will change, mm. and that will be, and that that you will see fundamental differences uh, in policy manifested through that budget. Yeah, uh, Joe, remind us the words again the, about gloating. Shauda. Shauda. How do you spell it? Do you know? S S C H A D E N F R E U D E. Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Exploding, taking pleasure in other people's misfortune. And just remember, it's a sin. Great lesson. Many, many sins. Pride, arrogance, all of those sins have some um, good feel to them, but that's because they're bad. Mm. And they go before the fall, usually. Joe Cannon, we appreciate your great insights again uh, and some wonderful lessons. Schadenfreude. Interesting stuff. We'll take a break, folks. Helping you see the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back.
BYU Radio. Botany is a little word that incorporates a whole ton of a lot of things. As you walk around where you live, as you walk around campus, because there's some intentionally diverse tree and shrubbery places, as you go up the mountains, what are you seeing? What, you're, what are you thinking? I'm, I'm interested in uh, stepping in your moccasins a little bit uh, okay. as you look around, as you smell around, as you feel around your environment. Discover the world around you by tuning into This Will Take a While for engaging conversations weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Schaudenfraude, German, is pleasure derived from the misfortune of others, borrowed from the German into English and several other languages. It is a feeling of joy that comes from seeing or hearing about another person's troubles or failures. It is similar in meaning to the English term gloating. So uh, if you're out there and you're gloating because of your pleasure and satisfaction because your hero won or just your party won, be careful. It really, um, it's not a way to unify a, a country, but it's also, it's it all it does is create a backlash eventually. And it might be simply this pal, this pattern of one party winning. Um, we may be transcending party today. People are not just voting for party anymore. They're also voting as we've been talking to so many guests over the last few weeks. They're also voting, uh, voting for position for the fact that uh, of status of hierarchy of institutions. This is not even about Republican or Democrat anymore. Schadenfreude. Let's bring in uh, some spirit, some spirit of peace, some reconciliation. Let's get something done. Let's improve and, and continue what we've done in the past. And let's keep openness and acceptance of everybody. Rights for everybody. That's the hope of the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back next hour. More ideas to help you see the good in the world. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. None of us were born with an owner's manual, right? So... We have to figure it out as we go along, and boy, oh boy, have we put together a great show for you today. Holy cow. We will be having a BYU Acapella Group Vocal Point on the show. Oh, yeah. Because BYU Broadcasting is putting together with Vocal Point a Christmas special. And uh, we are blessed enough to have, they'll be singing in studio. We'll see how it works with our, can our microphones really handle such acapella goodness? They can, but and we just might. Will. We uh, will have to get them on two microphones. Mm. I guess they could take your microphone too. We could. I could back out and just enjoy. Yeah. a song. Yeah, I hope. I just hope they don't ask me to sing along with them. Um, I mean, sometimes they might just throw me on the mic and. Then I'll just sing with vocal point. They might want to go with what they've rehearsed together. That's a good point. We don't want to. 
you know, why don't I go out there and, and have a little chat with them beforehand so that there's not that <laughs> awkward conversation on air? Oh, you're so rude. I know what you talk about. You don't want me singing. I understand. So Vo- Vocal Point will be joining us, um, at least some members of Vocal Point. It's a, it's a large group. We may not be able to get the entire gang here. But uh, I did see five or so gentlemen walking in. It's going to be a party. Hey, it's also, by the way, just to add a little more spice to life, it's Spicy Guacamole Day. Here's Dr. Gene singing the now famous The Guacamole Song. Here's the big drop. And uh, Sadie's dancing in the tank. Guacamole. Ah, Dr. Gene. By the way, not spicy guacamole song. I don't know if Dr. Gene put together a spicy guacamole song. Oh, that was spicy. Did you see her moves? (laughs) That didn't... If that's spicy, then normally I don't like spicy. But that I liked. By the way, my children, teenagers, love the guacamole song. They all know the guacamole song. Do they know the dance? No. I don't think they would call that a dance. They would call that a medical emergency. It's also Loosen Up, Lighten Up Day. The day, you know, that we just drop the rat race. Lighten up, relax. Just kick back. Come on. It ain't so bad. Loosen up, lighten up, and dance. Unless, of course, you live in a town like Footloose was uh, based on where you're not allowed to dance. That darn John Lithgow. Tell you. He's always trying to spoil our Pastor Lithgow. And then Kevin Bacon just busted up. Kevin Bacon can make you happy any time of the day in any movie that he's in. Let's be real. Kevin or not, Bacon can make you happy Mm. any time of day. Yes. So we'll be getting to Vocal Point. Again, we'll help you lighten up the day. Plus, we will be talking about how a man has taken a new pet into his life, a pet crocodile. And it's upsetting people. Well, that's sweet. And we've, we've got an expert here to talk to us today about should you, should you have a crocodile as a, as a pet? You know, a lot of people would say, no, obviously not. So we'll get to that in a minute. But first to the headlines with our own Sadie Nielsen. Find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Sadie, what's up? House Speaker Paul Ryan made clear Sunday that many of the policy divisions that split the Republican Party with Donald Trump continue post-election, but seemed confident GOP orthodoxy would win out. Speaking on CNN, Ryan departed from Trump on two of the president-elect's top priorities, establishing a deportation force to deport millions of undocumented immigrants and using tariffs to prevent companies from taking their jobs overseas. Ryan insisted that's not what our focus is when it comes to immigration reform, rather securing the border is. And regarding tariffs to keep jobs in the U.S., Ryan said, I think there's a better way of dealing with that particular issue. Donald Trump's attorneys have asked to delay the trial in the case against Trump University after the inauguration, citing the critical and all-consuming work the president-elect has to do before he takes office in January. Now that the election is over, we submit that the president-elect should not be required to stand trial during the next two months while he prepares to assume the presidency. The time and attention to prepare and testify will take him will take him away from the imperative transition work at a critical time, Trump's attorneys write in court documents filed this weekend. 
A man suspected of shooting a sheriff's deputy twice in the head in Central California was arrested hours after the killing on Sunday when he tried to steal a woman's purse, authorities said. County Sheriff's Deputy Dennis Wallace was shot at point-blank range as he checked on a report of a suspicious van parked near a fishing access spot about 10 miles south of Modesto. And finally, yes. so we know everyone's really upset about everything going on with Donald Trump being, mm. becoming the president-elect. Um, and so someone on eBay offered um, a way out of, the, of all the pain right now. How? A Swedish man posted on eBay listing offering to marry Americans seeking to move out of the country <laughs> after Donald Trump was elected president. What a nice gentleman. What a nice gentleman. Gustav Holland, 30, listed his auction with a starting price of $50,000 for Swedish citizenship, including marriage, before his post was taken down. He is a six-foot-tall photographer, art director, and surf instructor. Um, he did not receive any bids before the listing was removed, and he placed... Uh, and he said he placed the price so high, uh, so both, sorry, so both, so it wasn't to bid on it and mm. to put a price on the dream of freedom of the life in Sweden. He also joked about the following through the listing. If someone were actually to bid, he said he would have to figure out how to tell my mom and dad. <laughs> so, so it's a joke, but at the know, same time, he's he was a little bit serious. Well, hey, by the way, it sounds like a campaign that just won the election. Yes, kind of a joke, but. It's actually real. Yeah. So. He better prepared to get married. Well, the thing is, eBay actually took it down. Oh. So Bummer. he doesn't really have a chance anymore. But there's a possibility someone will see the news story and they'll oh, be yeah. like, hey. Did you see and did you did you get to see him talking in, enough to know if you'd be interested in Mr. Gustav if you were a single woman? Yes. That's the the stipulation is if I was a single woman. Yeah, because you're not. So, no. I'm happily married. <laughs> yes. And in fact, because I had this big date night event that you were going to go to. Yes. You're like the only one that wanted to come to it. I wanted to come, but I had to Support take husband. care of my husband because yeah. he had multiple homework things right. to do. Right, right, right. I totally understand. I think we have some sound from this guy from Sweden. Let's oh, hear do it. you? Yeah, this is great. Oh. Yeah. He's a singer, too. He's a singer. And isn't he a chef? I think so. Wow. Yeah, he's cooking something in the kitchen. He has a cooking show in Sweden. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. there you go. He seems like the all-around type of person that you just really want to marry if you want yeah. to get out of America. So even though they took down the ad, you can still look him up. Gustav from Sweden looking for a wife. Thank you, Sadie. And by the way, Sadie is taken. So Sadie took care of her spouse and didn't come to my date night, and Jeffrey was too busy. I was a bachelor over the weekend. That's right. Your so wife flew the flew the nest. She came back. Good. She. Uh, you guys better now. She came to her senses. Yeah, good. She figured out that the two kids are really hard without you. <laughs> and then Terry doesn't want to do anything. We had some Mexican takeouts. So I was busy. You oh, guys missed. It was a great it, night. Does that mean that it didn't sit well? No, it was great. So, oh, okay. It was great. We had to go get our burritos, so just kind of busy that night. That's all. What? I just think you missed a great opportunity. I saw the pictures. It was fun. I definitely would have been there. We launched had my a new website. Looked like my marriage. Parent teacher conference at a junior high. Look great. No, there's a bunch of adults. They're in a junior high school. No, auditorium. we laughed. We cried. It was better than cats. That was the review. Right. My, my thought is, I have this unique experience to be exposed to you and 
your thoughts on relationships on a daily basis. Yeah, but I, many times I go sit in your office and mm-hmm. we discuss we a lot of life issues. Right. He didn't want to be just one of the other thousands of people there. Yeah. He wanted. He want, didn't he want to feel like he was attention. Yeah. yeah, he didn't want to feel like he was being talked at. <laughs> That's actually what his wife told me on the phone when she said, "Please get him to come. Mm. I really want to go to this because I'm tired of him talking at me." It's not the feeling I got. Is she was passed out on the couch. She was exhausted. She had burrito yeah, after that mode. Mexican good food. food. So much food. So much Whatever. food. Also, we're talking about in the nation people trying to cope. Yeah, a lot of colleges are helping students. Yeah, cope. Are they at Cornell University? They gather on a major campus thoroughfare for a cry-in to mourn the results of the presidential election. One that this was last Wednesday at Tufts University. We've had several people on from Tufts. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Uh, arts and crafts were on were available to help people cope. University of Kansas reminded students via social media that therapy dogs available for comfort every other Wednesday. <laughs> Help them cope. That's great. Colleges nationwide scramble to help uh, students process Donald Trump's victory. They're acknowledging that many students were up late watching results. So many uh, were not not to be their sharpest in their early morning lectures. More so, they were responding to a widespread sense of shock and despair on campus. The touchy-feely approach won some catty comments from skeptics calling students snowflakes because hmm. they're precious and they're yeah. going to melt under any sort of stress. Uh, schools said the uh, concerns were real for many students. They they let them out of uh, tests. They said, well, th- this quiz won't count towards your grade. We know what? you're under stress this is, at this moment. I know. This, sent, this sent Rudy Giuliani off. He other called them all Other universities offered floor sprawl time <laughs> with Play-Doh and coloring books. Oh, I remember fro- floor sprawl. Floor sprawl. Do you remember in preschool where they'd, they'd say, okay, get your mats, and we'd all go grab a mat, and we'd set it on the ground, and then you just could take your nap. We had cots. Get we your didn't cot. have to sleep really? on the floor. Oh, we did. I didn't. We weren't a highbrow preschool. Just sleep in the library. That's what everyone does in college. That's so true. You go to the library and fall asleep. That's what you do. You'd always go to the worst lit part of the entire library, the dark, the dark areas. And there'd be people kissing and other people sleeping. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was totally awkward. Then I met my wife and I was the person making it awkward. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is cool. I like this. <laughs> Sleeping? Yeah, that's okay. what I meant. Yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, speaking of therapy animals, out of, uh, I'm sure, Florida. No, it's actually in Japan. Um, <laughs> yeah, same difference. Yeah, because I'm like, where else would you get an alligator or a crocodile? Uh, there's a guy that apparently has made his pet a crocodile. Hmm. And so this guy walks it to the shops. He brushes its teeth. You know, most people settle for cats or dogs as their pet of choice. But one Japanese man has taken things a step further, adopting a giant six-foot, eight-inch crocodile. That's crazy. Nobumitsu Murabayashi, 65, can regularly be seen strolling down the road with his his six-foot crocodile. That seems... Dangerous? Dangerous. As a guy that... And I, we will post pictures. Hmm. I have pictures of me... In a boat in, in uh, where was I, Costa Rica, right. with crocodiles it's right where, there. Like, you, I could have you, punched one. Where you left your health. Pardon? Well, you're sick. It's fine. No, we'll, we'll get to that later. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And where, oh, yeah, my, yeah I got you're them. posing with, with crocodiles. Yeah, it was really great. My son's holding a croc by the tail. Yeah. It's crazy. I went to an alligator farm in, uh, in uh, Florida. Florida, yeah. And and people are sticking their, their faces inside their mouths. What are you doing? You're going to you know, die. Don't, don't touch fine. it. By the way, his bizarre friendship includes petting, brushing the, its teeth, and walking this thing on a leash. 
So we we've talked about Crocs a lot. When he cuddles, well, he cuddles a Croc. Wouldn't you cuddle a Croc? No. Why not? Because it's flat out nuts. And so we we went to the pros. Okay. Because we have a friend on the show named uh, he was on months ago. Um, years ago, probably. He's in very high demand. Harlan J. Hickam. Hmm. He's a wild game wrestler. Okay. And he's what's called a crock whisperer. Ooh. So we got him on the line, interviewed him about, is this smart or not? Recently, a Japanese man made the news after he adopted a six-foot-eight-inch crocodile, you know, which, in my opinion, is not all that big. That's like what I call a, a croquito. Anyway, he started pampering it, brushing his teeth, taking it on walks around the neighborhood, even cuddling with it. Now, as cute as this may sound, Mr. Uh, Mirabayashi ought to know that if he continues to baby this reptile, he's going to have a few major problems on his hand. And I'm not even talking about the intrinsic danger of having a crocodile as a pet or even the hassles of bottle feeding, burping, and diaper changing. I'm talking about the type of problems that come with the level of celebrity that he's now experiencing. First of all, you give a croc a taste of the good life like that, and pretty soon he's going to start feeling a sense of entitlement. You know, his demand's going to get getting bigger and weirder until you got a complete diva on your hands. Secondly, there's going to be some loyalty issues. With all those television appearances he's been making, it's only a matter of time before the endorsements start rolling in. And then it's like, what do you have to offer him at that point? You know what I'm saying? He'll drop you so fast your few good teeth will spin. And then, before you know it, he's a card-carrying Democrat. Yes, sir. Probably best to just put him back where from you got him. With the Matt Townsend Show, this is Harlan J. Hickam. I love having Harlan on. Whoa, so it's kind of a slippery slope if you own a crocodile. Before you know it, if you're not careful, he could end up being a card-carrying Democrat. Oh, yeah. Or he could just be carried as a briefcase. Ooh. I mean, it can go both ways. I didn't re- I, I didn't think through some of that burping, yeah. diapering. I mean, what, what do you do with a baby croc? They're hard. Yeah, we, when we had they a puppy, it night. used to gnaw on our piano to you know work its teeth. What does a croc gnaw on? Their wailing is just oh, it'll squeak. keep you up all night. And their breathing, that breathing thing they do. By the way, I've seen a croc hiss. I've seen it right in my face. <sighs> you know, vocal, vocal points going to be coming on. We, we're going to be playing one of their songs, "Go the Distance." Mm. You want to see some distance on some projectile, then you get a baby crocodile. Really? Yeah, those things can go the distance. Gosh, that's a really great segue to our next guest. Uh, we will take a break when we come back. Vocal Point, the acapella music group from Brigham Young University that was made famous on the Sing Off. They're online. They have. Uh, 20 million views of their songs. Really super talented. We'll be bringing on McKay Crockett, the director of uh, Vocal Point. And um, he's been on the show before. We're good buddies. He's also brought in five, I believe, five of the team. And uh, we also just have to make a, a crazy point. Sadie Nielsen's husband was 
a Vocal Point member as well. Apparently, we're bringing the tenor section of Vocal Point on board with one baritone. Up next, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Having fun. Reminds me of me and my day. Oh, you gotta love these guys. Vocal Point uh, is their name. They have percussion without drums. Every sound you heard there, no instruments, right? Just the rich, lovely voices. Uh, rhythm section without. Uh, by the way, in, in the room today, we gotta we gotta shout out their names so that we can make them famous. McKay Crockett, who's the director of Vocal Point. We've had him on the show back in the day when he was in the sing-off. That's do you right. remember that, McKay? Oh, do I remember it? Oh, man, you rocked that. <laughs> it's Thank hard to you. forget. You were hot. And then they, I remember when they made you director. I think it was the day you were on this show, you had just found out you got the big gig. I think you're right. McKay Crockett's joining us. Uh, Kyle, is it Kyle Lemperl? Lemperly. Le- oh, geez. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's just how it's spelled. Kyle Lemperly's here. Logan, where are you, Logan? Right here. Logan uh, Shelton, by the way. Kyle Tenor. Logan's a tenor. Spencer Myler. Yep. Tenor. Tenor as well. Ow. <laughs> Parker Overy. That's right. And tenor. Yes. And Nathan Prophet. That's me. Baritone. Yeah. Give us a little baritone, Nathan. How's it going? Oh, oh man. <laughs> that was rich. There it is. Rich. Well, guys, thanks for being here. Um, we are excited to have you because coming up very soon, you are doing something with Brigham Young or uh, BYU Broadcasting. Yes, we are. Talk about it um, so we get it out there. November 26th, you'll be special guest on a broadcast, Christmas Under the Stars concert. Yeah, so earlier this year we were approached by BYU TV about uh, producing this Christmas special. They're, they're doing these yearly Christmas specials. Last year they did an amazing one down at the Goshen uh, set where the LDS churches filmed a lot of the, the Bible videos yeah. that they've been producing. And this year they said they wanted to do something a little bit different. They reached out to us, and, and we've put together this hour-long Christmas special that's going to be airing on BYU TV, and it's going to be really, really fun. We've got some some fun music, some slow music, some sacred music, and some comedy, and a little of everything in between. And How awesome. we're excited for people to see it. What's it like? So there's nine members of the group, right? And um, five of you are here. Where are the where, where are the bases? Do you guys just not hang with the bases? <laughs> they're kind of weird. Yeah, are they the weird? Yeah, ones? they're the weird ones. No. <laughs> The poor parents. No, like, no Hold offense, it. Nathan. Right? Hold it. No, everyone's actually. The rest of the guys are actually in class right now. Are they? Oh, they're the students. We're still students. Yeah. No, you're all students, but only apparently some of you go to class. Exactly. The tenors. Uh-huh. The tenors don't. You're the partiers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows a good tenor is a partier. You're gonna pick somebody out of choir. Oh yeah. This is. Um, what's it like to be a member of this group? Because. Do you try out for it? How do you get in mm-hmm. vocal point? Well, every year we hold auditions uh, around April once the year is like ending. And then because it's a BYU class, there's people graduating. So we always have to have new guys come in every year. Yeah. And we get anywhere from 100 to 130, 140 kids trying out every year. Wow. And, we, and the group is actually one that, that picks the new guys. Is, the, is it as intense as we see in the show Pitch Perfect? Oh my! Probably more. Intense. Is it is it as ugly behind the scenes? Probably a little less drama, but more intense. But honestly, my kids love you guys. 
because you you're everything. So who's the beatboxer? Who's the who brings down the beat? His name's Matt Newman. He's in class. Do we call him a bass? Oh, or do they? He, are they? When he sings, he's actually a tenor. Yeah. Is he really? But uh, it's always about the tenor. But he sounds yeah. so low when he beatboxes. Does he? Yeah. yeah. So you got a beatboxer, and then do all of you? I assume make you can make a lot of any. I mean, I'm sure any of you could do instruments. Yeah, yeah they it? got some trumpets, some guitars. Who's, who, who did the trumpet? Oh, yeah, it's pretty guitar. Who can Amazing. do a guitar? I got a little. And give us your name when you get up and do a guitar. Go for it, Who's got a little All guitar? Right. I got it. Okay. <laughs> that, that's a guitar. It's like a little funk guitar. It sounds better than a funk guitar. Yeah, yeah. Something. I didn't know it was going through a synthesizer. Okay, that makes it different. It's amazing what you can do with your voice. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. Is it? Are you noticing too? It's also um, it's pretty hip. I mean, it used to kind of not. It was like the barbershop barbershop quartet people, which I was in, by the way, in high school. Oh, nice! I loved it. Nice. Oh my! But tenor? the hat and the vest was a little hard to get used to. Right. Um, Were you a tenor? I was a tenor. I was a baritone. Oh, nice! Yeah, there you go. And then as I, as you get older, your voice drops. Actually, as you get older, a lot of things drop. And um, as my so I've, I'm probably now more of a bass. Nice. But the ladies I can hear that. It. I can hear that. <laughs> the ladies love it. Um, but it's now hip and cool. It's cool to to be able to use your talents and sing. Yeah, it's it's been fun, especially. So I was in vocal point as a student, uh, and so between when I was a student and now being the director, this is my my tenth year involved. And uh, back when I first started, it was a little more on the side of that barbershop quartet that you were talking yeah. about. Uh, and now it's becoming a thing that people are really interested in, even people that aren't. In the Utah County and you know BYU fans, people all around the world are saying, "Hey, that acapella thing—it's really cool." And especially when when we believe so strongly that music should be positive and should have a positive message, yeah, it's just fun to see people grab onto that and, and kind of run with it. And it's fun to be part of that. Are you? I mean, how do you do this? This is like being an athlete on campus too, in yeah. a way. You've got a lot of performances. How many performances do you do a year, and how do you still get school done? I think we're a lot of what is it twelve to thirteen performances a semester? Yeah. It, between the year, it's like 30. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that all? Yeah. yeah. But like big. This is a big thing. You're mm-hmm. going out. You're going to become famous. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. We just had the Covey show last weekend, and there were three yeah. shows over Friday and Saturday, so it was, it and was you a party. And you the place? Oh, yeah. It was a party. Okay. Now, three of you are married. Is that what I saw? True. Correct. Three are married. What's wrong with the rest of you? <laughs> like, I mean, right, guys? Yeah, I, I'm, oh, I'm sure the ladies. I'm sure the ladies love you. Well, there are no shortage of dates for these guys. I bet they're That's not. That's the truth. After the show, do you have groupies? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. There are just there not are our fans. age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just not our age. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I know the feeling. My groupies are all like eighty. Nice. They're more like just they're just Nothing stuck wrong there. With they're waiting. No, totally. They're waiting for the bus to come. Uh, is it? Uh, is it? I, I look at it too that a lot of times you have to leave something you love in high school and you don't get to go make it a career sometimes, or you don't get to go do it in college. It must be fun to be able to keep doing something you love. A lot of these guys, you know, they study a variety of things. Spencer's our only music major this year in the group. Um, And so while a lot of them won't pursue music professionally, it is something that they all love and something they believe in. And so to be able to dedicate so much time and to make something excellent uh, that they're super proud of, I think is a really cool thing to be able to do in college. You know, Jeff Simpson here, uh, co-host of the show, can't get enough of you guys. He he's a huge fan. He in fact, when I was like, so what show was McKay on? that made him so famous and we couldn't figure it out because we didn't know how to use the interweb. 
<laughs> Jeff's like, uh, the sing off. What's up? He got all mouthy. Because that was a great year for acapella because that was the year that that Pentatonics yes, they were. was on the show. We can't he, you can't hear him because he has a he doesn't have a microphone. But Pentatonics was on the show that McKay. Did you meet Pentatonics? We did. Yeah, they were the good friends. I still have a few of their phone numbers, and it's really cool to see the success they've had. Isn't that they're, amazing? They're kind of taking over the world right now. So they really are. Well, so is Vocal Point going to take over the world? Yeah, why not? Why not? Let's do it. Maybe maybe with this production we will. It's Christmas production. Are you guys like busy this weekend? Like take over the world. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're, we're traveling all the way to Twin Falls, Idaho this weekend, so uh, yeah. maybe we'll take over. The weather's <laughs> going to be nice. You're going to take over Idaho. That's yeah. for sure. um, okay, this is this is super huge. I wanted you to sing, but it's hard because you're all tenors. Yep. And missing the lower part of the yeah. group makes and it a little tricky. And the beatboxer. Well, but you got guitar <laughs> and trumpet. Uh, we won't force you to do it. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we will we'll, we'll, let's play some music on the way out. I'm sure Jeff's got that all prepared. He is now. Because uh, <laughs> we want to hear you guys. We'll be back, folks. More with Vocal Point taking over the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. Vocal Point, part of that good. Listen to that. Are you sure there's no instruments other than your chords? Absolutely not. No instruments. That's all us. Unless We're, McKay's sneaking some instruments in on the, the recording afterwards. Yeah. You know? <laughs> As he's mixing, he's like, but we, we need to add a real bass in there. Because <laughs> there's not a bass in the room. This is BYU Vocal Point, and you got to go to their website, BYUVocalPoint.com, but also go to YouTube, look up Vocal Point, and subscribe. The, the clean-cut gentlemen, nine of them, who are, have a mission, really, they're going to change the world uh, one song at a time, but they will be joining BYU Broadcasting as we hold a, um, a concert, Christmas Under the Stars concert with Vocal Point, airing November 28th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time on BYU TV. Special guests on the show, of course, will be Vocal Point and Peter Hollins. Peter Hollins, if you haven't seen him again on YouTube, he is... He has over about 1.3 million subscribers. He's collaborated with some of the biggest YouTubers, Lindsey Sterling, Jason Mraz. Um, he's also been on with the Piano Guys as well. He's a big deal. And Ryan Innes, who was also on Vocal Point back in the day, 
she was. And has one of the deepest, richest voices. Reminds me of myself. <laughs> Except yeah. he can actually sing. <laughs> um, anyway, great stuff uh, coming up. Go check it out. Uh, November 28th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Joining us, uh, McKay Crockett, who's the director of BYU's Vocal Point. Also in the room, Kyle Lemperly, Logan Shelton, Spencer Myler, Parker Overy, and Nathan Prophet. Uh, all tenors except for Nathan Prophet, who uh, the most profitable baritone there is. <laughs> there, right? it, there it is. <laughs> um, really a great group. We've got five of them here today and McKay, who leads them. Okay, guys, here's the deal. So we figured out some of you are married. Some of you are just looking for groupies. I mean, in a good, proper way. (laughs) You're not doing anything wrong. Is there – what is your mission? If you had to encapsulate nine guys singing a cappella and you only get 30 performances a year, what is your purpose? What are you trying to do? So actually, BYU Vocal Point actually has a mission statement that – that we have is to enlighten the hearts and minds of those within the sound of our voice mm. unto the enlightening of the, unto the filling of their souls with joy. Wow. And you guys knew that. Do you know how many times, like, cause I've used to do a ton of corporate America training and I'd ask people, what's your mission statement? And no one in the room would know it. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys were rotating through. None of you knew that would be the question. And yet you pull it out and you knew the answer. You know, and you mean it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've actually watched Focal Point since I was a kid. And uh, so to be a part of it has been awesome. But I actually didn't realize that that was a statement before I got into the group. And But it just makes so much sense yeah. now that I'm in it and I know the statement. I mean, they've well, always kind of represented that. And the music we just heard, you can feel something different. You're, you're not singing. You're not singing for money and you're not singing for fame. I asked during the break if you guys were going to be, you know, going and trying out for some of the bigger uh, auditions like America's Got Talent, The Voice, that kind of stuff. If they, I don't even know if they'd take The Voice. Yeah. But whatever the group is or the next sing-off. And McKay kind of said, no, we've got 30 performances a year. We've done that. We want to change lives, impact lives. So you're really singing to influence hearts. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's definitely the, the most important part about it. Um, I mean, and, and maybe at some point that will be the best way, you know, a show like that will be the best way to do that. But right now, yeah. where we're at, this is this is really uh, – we're able to reach our goals and and touch as many people as possible, their hearts, you know, and, and, and bring them happiness by what we're doing. Then you have to try out every year. So actually, once you're in the group, you, you can stay in the you're group in. Until, yeah. you, until you graduate yeah. or – is it true? Is it like a gang where you have to beat people up to get them in and out? <laughs> is it like that? Vocally, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you see that in the, the show. Um, what was the show we just talked about? The Pitch movie? Perfect. Pitch Perfect. It's pretty intense competition. Like somebody threw a burrito at somebody. <laughs> um, do, you, do you still go compete? Do you compete against other groups? Are there, are there competitions in college? Yeah, actually, the the competition on the sing off, or excuse me, on the movie the uh, Pitch Perfect actually exists. Does it really? Yeah, it's uh, ICCAs, and that does exist. Uh, Vocal Point's gone and done that, and we've won that. Um, we haven't done it in a few years, really, for the same reason. You know, uh, yeah, it, it, we we have done that before, and it's it's a really fun competition. But uh, yeah, like like we said, right now we're kind of sticking where we're at. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna keep it clean. Um, uh-huh. Is it uh, <laughs> is there a group called the Rockapellas? Rockapella is a group, yes. Is it really? Mm-hmm. It's not like Vocal Point, though. 
Rockapella was that group, you know, Carmen Sandiego, the old show on PBS. Yeah, yeah. They sang on Carmen Sandiego. They still exist. They were one of the first contemporary acapella groups to kind of bring beatboxing into yeah. the mainstream. And they hipped it up. They sure did. Oh, that's big time. The oh, Jeff's singing now. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff violates yeah. a rule on our show about singing. He sings all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you could have been on Vocal Point. You're too old now. <laughs> Sorry. How old uh, do you, I guess you just have to be in college at BYU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, and then when you graduate, you're done. Do you have a special tradition for how you get rid of a vocal point member? Well, how do you say goodbye? Do, you, do, we, do we put you on a raft and then push you out <laughs> and then shoot an arrow at you? I, I it sounds awfully Lord of the Rings. We, we <laughs> should do that. <laughs> I mean, usually we have like a dinner at the end of the year and uh, we'll present awards and... Uh, I mean, they've got plaques and stuff that we give out. Yeah, yeah, a little just gifts. a plaque. <laughs> I mean, plaque you give your hours. heart, McKay. <laughs> yeah. One of the one Great. of the cool things about Vocal Point is you know we're we're definitely a, a tight knit brotherhood, and you know even when we have to move on, it's like we're not we're not gone. You know, no. I mean we're, we're not forgotten. So that we're able to uh, hold on to those friendships, and it's it's great. Do you guys sing Absolutely. in church a lot? I mean, I'm going to bet that everywhere you go, there's a church. And everywhere you go they, and they find out you're from Vocal Point, you're probably going to be the chorister, the pianist <laughs> oh in the my. church. So true. <laughs> Is it true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. oh, yeah. We sing in sacrament. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of nice, I guess. It's like, yeah. It's like every CPA becomes a ward clerk that's over that's the right. money in the church. Um, what Talk about, and each of you maybe give us, and just step up to the mic, what is your most rewarding part of being in the group? What stands out as the most rewarding thing to you? You know, for me, it's getting to interact with all of the people that we get to perform for. Um, I don't know, just it's really eye-opening to just, I don't know. It, I mean, just with our mission statement, we we get to sing, and we're trying to uplift these people. Yeah. But really, I feel like in the end, we, we're the ones who are uplifted. I mean, we meet so many amazing people every so it's, day. It's the people that you get to perform for. Others? Yeah. Uh, I can remember there was one time when we got a Facebook message from somebody who had been uh, – they told us that they had been going through a really difficult time in their lives Um uh, especially with depression and things like that. And they listened to some of our music and it, it said it had uh, such an impact on them that they were able to uh, see a, a different light, you know, that they hadn't been able to see before. It really had affected them. Oh, that's and, powerful. Yeah. That, that's when you pull somebody out of, the, out of the deep hole. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the music did. And, and that's, that's the point. It's the power of the, of the music they were able to bring. And the spirit people. behind it. Yep. Huge. Mm-hmm. And just just one of the cool things about Vocal Point is uh, before I ever got into the Vocal Point, Vocal Point, I was just Kyle, just this normal kid. Yeah. But for my very first show, the way kids looked up to me was one of the coolest things. Isn't that and neat? I knew that it was Vocal Point that was just bigger than me. Right. You know? Yeah, it was and awesome. That, and he, so now, yeah, so you're a role model, too. You, all of a sudden, just simply being Vocal Point, it's like the same thing. Being a BYU wide receiver, all of a sudden, you're a big deal. But And what's cool is because a lot of the kids that love – uh, wide receivers may not be listening to music, but there are just as many kids that are listening to music, that love music, that are in band, that are in theater, that are in uh, acapella groups all over high school, and they don't always have someone to look up to. I mean, there is, don't get me wrong, there's, uh, there's John Bon Jovi. <laughs> I mean, there's there are people. My favorite singer. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. What else? What else moves you guys? I'd say uh, one of the most rewarding things is just. I mean, we put in a lot of work. Uh, 
you know, hours and hours of rehearsal, running choreography. Um, and so something that just is really rewarding to me is seeing that all pay off um, when we do a, a great show. Oh. You know, it's like sometimes it's a two-hour-long show. And so um, just when that's over and just thinking, man, like, that's cool to see something from start to finish and uh, all your hard work pay off. It's just cool to be part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah, and be a, a team. Yeah. That's cool. Sure. That's really cool. Yeah. So I haven't been in the group that long, but kind of like what uh, Parker was saying, um, we've had, I've had experiences where people have come up after the shows and they said they'll show a really specific uh, kind of trial that they're going through, and when they can say that uh, you know your music has has made a difference in my life, and I have, feel like I have strength to go a little bit further and keep uh, trying to overcome these obstacles in my life. That that's. Uh, huge to me because it makes me realize that I'm really a part of something that's a lot bigger than yeah. just me, and, and that's cool. It's, it sounds like it's so much just about people. Did you find that McKay back in the day, back when Dinosaur Day? <laughs> back that's when, because it, it's funny, like McKay's not that old, but it's, <laughs> that is. Th- this is this has been the spirit of Vocal Point, I guess, since it was created. Yeah, Vocal Point started 25 years ago. I wasn't around. You weren't there then, yeah. But uh, it it's been. It's been really cool. I think that my favorite part about Vocal Point is to, to see that the guys that you see on the stage are the same guys that you talk to after the show. The guys aren't being a character. They're not they're not putting on anything during the show. It they're being themselves, and I think that's what draws a lot of people to Vocal Point is they see genuine guys trying to make it through life just like they are. Um, and that's inspiring to a lot of people to know, hey, normal guys can be awesome. Yeah. And, and I can be awesome too. Oh, that's way cool. I want to play another cut here from a song you guys did, uh, Brave, by Sarah Bareilles. What a, I mean, and, and when, as you listen to it, um, talk to me when we're done about would you rather sing a church song, a hymn? Would you rather sing these popular songs like Brave? Or would you rather like do Christmas? We'll get to that. Here's Brave by Vocal Point. Is that Sadie Nelson's husband? He's the bass. Oh, that's awesome. Guys, this song is amazing. Again, no instruments, just your mouths. Oh, yeah. Your chords. Yep. Boy, Sadie Nelson's hubby brings the deepness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No wonder she married him. I would have married that man. Wow. Okay. So, would you rather sing a song, a popular song like "Brave," or would you rather go to a church kind of hymn, a Mormon Tabernacle hymn moment? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little bit of a secret. Our show is actually kind of set up where you know we sing a ton of different kinds of songs, yeah. but we actually sing our fun songs so that we can kind of bring them into that place where they can hear more of a spiritual interesting song. so you it, you're tr- it's you're luring them in yeah <laughs> i mean really <laughs> though right. no, no, I, I see that as a speaker because you 
they get all excited and jazzed, and then you can share the spirit with them. Exactly. And they feel the spirit. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I notice they tighten up, like, oh, we're going there. And then you can make them have fun again and then bring Uh back the spirit. (laughs) Exactly. That's really the way I show it. (laughs) Because, and really, that's your mission. Your mission is to share that spirit. That's powerful. And really, again, it sounds like that's how you're moving people. People, all these comments they're making, you're pulling me out of this hole because you're bringing the spirit. Yeah, well, and that, uh, you'll notice that every song that we sing that isn't necessarily a hymn or, you know, what you would, you would deem as a, a spiritual song, they always have a positive message, and that's something we always look for. Mm. Uh, you never hear a song from us that has, you know, a negative message. And that's – so it, it's hard to say what would be our favorite. I yeah. think, I, I think our, probably our favorite, yeah, would be the, the hymns and ballads, but those other ones are – Is there know, one song important. that is vocal oh, point? Yeah. Do you guys have one song? Like Donnie and Marie had the – a little bit country, a little bit country, little bit rock and roll. Is there one song that you always close with, you always leave with? Um, it's not one that we necessarily close with, but I would say, you know, our most popular YouTube video right now is Near My God to Thee. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that one has millions of views. Um, I'd say we're, we're pretty well known for that song. Now, YouTube, everybody has got to go to YouTube and check you out. Because you, I honestly, I could spend an hour there every other day <laughs> yeah. just listening to your stuff. Um, so go subscribe. Every, anybody listening, I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, oh, that was a neat segment. But go subscribe and watch all of those videos. And more importantly, notice what you feel. Because it's easy to entertain, you know, if somebody's half-dressed and dancing on a stage singing a great song. It's different to do it with guys that are fully dressed, and thank you. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But also with the right spirit and the right purpose and the goal to, to be a change. That's cool. That's a really cool thing. What's the next project? What's up next? Obviously, the big event uh, on November 26th. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to the Christmas concert uh, airing on BYU TV, and we've got a, a couple of albums coming out real soon. Uh, can't quite divulge exactly okay. what's going to be on them. Sure. But stay tuned. And uh, and yeah, we've always got new music coming, so just check us out on YouTube, you on guys our Facebook page. Teases. So check you out on Facebook, <laughs> byuvocalpoint.com or yeah. .org? .com. .com. And go check you out on YouTube and subscribe. Are you going to sing with Peter Hollins? Uh, on the show, we are. On the yes. show, are you? Yep. Oh. <laughs> Is, are you going to sing with Ryan Innes? Yes. 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 <gasps> okay. <laughs> Ryan's been on the show before because he, he sang a song for a movie. Here's the final song. We'll go out on this one. Folks, thanks, guys. Thanks for being oh, thank here. You. Thank Seriously you. inspiring, powerful, uh, powerful source, I think, of the spirit to all of us during the holiday season. Christmas Under the Stars concert with Vocal Point is airing uh, on BYU TV November 26th at 8 p.m., 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. you got to check it out. Special guest, Peter Hollins, Ryan Innes. Vocal point. We'll take a break. We'll be right back, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. Vocal points, part of that good. We'll be back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. By the way, uh, he is born is. Um, uh, an album put out by Vocal Point. You can go check out. Um, it's their Christmas album. Eleven songs from Vocal Point. You were just giddy, Jeffrey. This was like Christmas for you. 
Yeah, I love to sing, and uh, you know, no matter how much you guys try to suppress that on the show, take away your spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I just came from a very musical family. You're gifted. And uh, when I sat next to my wife for the first time in church, you know, we weren't married at that time, mm-hmm. and I heard her sing. It was just like the hallelujah chorus. <gasps> Is that how you fell in love? Well, I already knew that I was in love with her before that, but then that was just the icing on the cake. Really? A beautiful singing voice will do it. Do you guys sing together? You know, we don't enough. She I mean, doesn't we, allow it? We sing, <laughs> we sing to our kids at times, and I'll, you know, I'll ha- harmonize with her, and it always makes her laugh. Not because it's bad, but because, I don't know, harmonizing kid songs seems kind of silly at times. Totally. But worth it. Well, that was cool. You know what? Again, trying to bring you the good in the world and help you see the good in the world. Nine guys that do that want to do nothing but just serve. That's pretty cool. Serve? Serve. Serve. Okay, gotcha. They want to serve. They don't want to. I mean, it's not about fame. It's not about fortune. They're not like getting a free ride to BYU. They're just changing the world. That's cool. And again... Uh, don't uh, think that everything in the world has to be about sports, music. Get your kids involved in music. Get your kids listening to Vocal Point. Let them influence them that way. Powerful stuff. We will take a break, folks. That's hour number two of the show. Next hour, wrapping up uh, this morning for you. You're back at it. It's Monday. It's not so bad. Stick with us. We'll get you through it. This is the Matt Townsend Show. The Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1 855 Chat BYU. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you, or, or bottom of the morning for some of Depends you. Depends on where you are. Man, oh man, oh man. Okay, so if I had nine children. Mm. Don't you? I have six. Oh, you're pretty close. You're pretty close. I know. (laughs) If I had nine children, would I put them all in an RV, 400 square feet of RV space, and then take them on the road for 18 months? No. How many iPads do you have? 700 I'd have to have to make it even interesting. But it uh, that is crazy, it seems like. But we today will be talking with a family that they're road tripping with 11 people. Mom, dad, nine kids. It's a pretty interesting story. They were already homeschooling, and the father already had a job working at home. So they thought, why not go do something really outrageous? Right. Get an RV, travel the world. They will travel the country. They will never forget that. No way. And they are saying it's bringing their family closer together. So Mike and Megan well, North yeah, will be talking to us. They're in an RV. You can't they're not get away going from anywhere. anybody, right? So far, they, they started in May. I think they've already been to like eight or so states. Hmm. They, I mean, I guess you got to just keep moving. Yeah. Personally, I just want to drive a lot. Because then I just put my headphones in, say, honey... I'm going to just get us to Oklahoma. 
Can you can you put your headphones in when you're driving? Depends on the state. There are varying rules across mm-hmm. the country. I thought you could have one earbud in. Yeah. You then, have to look up the law. Then, yeah. I, I, I think it's kind of a dangerous thing to do. But It you know. is. Well, especially if you've got like 11 people in your RV. But also if you have 11 people in your RV, you, you probably need earbuds. I'm, I mean, nine kids. I love people that are in like a brand new car and they have earbuds in. It's like you have to have a nice stereo in there. You got yeah, you got to have some nice gear in there. It's yeah. like so you bought this car now you're still listening to your your it's the, the sinking the, part. The buzz you got to you got to sink your phone and that it's like it's like a remote control. It takes learning. Mine took maybe a minute to sink my phone to the car. Yeah. And then you just turn the car on and it pops in and just drive. But you're showing off now. Well, yeah, I mean, you know. There's some people that you read the instructions once, take the minute, figure it out. Ah, see, move that, on. You, that's part of the problem. Or read the instructions. Just read them. Yeah. Easier said than done. All right. Uh, today, also, spicy guacamole day. Ooh. We'll be talking about that. You got to, do you like the spicy guac? Absolutely. I generally like anything spicy within reason. Yeah. If it melts your face off, I don't think that's really, you know. No. What you want to have? My son had some friends that ate ghost peppers and then had to leave school. You have to be able to enjoy the spiciness. I don't. I'm not one that enjoys that. Really? Anything that actually impacts my body to break into a sweat, I'm not into that. I don't. Why would you want to sweat during dinner? I don't see it. It's also loosen up, lighten up day. Is this West Side Story? You always go to songs. I always go to West Side Story, it seems like. Is that like your favorite? It is probably one of my favorite musicals, yeah. Do you want to you sing any of them? Pow! Snap! You going to start snapping? <laughs> okay. Uh, Loosen Up Day is it's a day where we're going to let the rat race go, lighten up, Relax. You just got to let it go. Smile. (sighs) Take a big, deep breath. Yeah, we'll be playing that song all hour. Plus, we've got a bunch of headlines. uh, Crazy squirrel attack that went down in Deltona, Florida. It's, I mean, it, it was carnage. What do you do when squirrels attack? We'll talk about it. That was a Fox show, wasn't it? Yeah, when squirrels attack. It wasn't very popular. We actually created a lot of headlines, though. Uh, We'll get to that story up next. Plus, of course, this hour, go visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show. They'll do a little uh, review as well with us of, of the football game, how that all went down with BYU and Southern Utah University. It was it was quite a beat down, and um, I always worry in that game that someone's going to die. Because the hits are really hard. Yeah. So uh, we'll get to that as well. Plus our hero story of the day. Tons going on. Stick with us. But first to Sadie Nielsen with the headline. Sadie, what's going on around the rest of the country? Demonstrators in major U.S. cities took to the streets for a fifth straight day on Sunday to protest President-elect Donald Trump, whose campaign manager said President Barack Obama and Democrat Hillary Clinton should do more to support a peaceful transition. 
Following several nights of unrest, crowds of people marched in parks in New York City and San Francisco, planning to do so in Oakland, California. A few thousand joined a march at the south end of New York's Central Park, beginning at a Trump property on the Columbus Circle and walking toward the real estate mogul Skyscraper headquarters less than a mile away. Largely peaceful demonstrators in urban areas have said Trump threatens their civil and human rights. Interest in pushing for California's secession from the United States has increased after Donald Trump won the presidency. The Yes California campaign is backing an independence referendum in support of a constitutional exit of the state from the U.S. In the wake of 60% of the state's voters supporting the presidential loser, Hillary Clinton, the movement is getting renewed interest. As the sixth largest economy in the world, California is more economically powerful than France and has a population larger than Poland. Point by point, California compares and competes with countries, not just the 49 other states the campaign's website said. According to NASA, the upcoming supermoon, which will occur today, Monday, November 14th, will be especially super because of its, it's the closest full moon to Earth since 1948. We won't see another supermoon like this until 2034. The moon will be the largest at 6.22 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and opposite the sun for the full moon at 8.52 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, after the moon set for most of the U.S. If you're not an early riser, no worries. I've been telling people to go out at night on either Sunday or Monday night to see the supermoon, said Noah Pet a deputy project scientist for NASA. And finally... Yes? Um, so we know today that there is an issue with millennials uh, being a little too self-centered, would you say? What are you yes, about? well, I mean, uh, yeah. I think millennials are, are warm. They've... They think of others often. Oh, boy, here we they go. They don't really... Yeah, I think they're they're happy people. They're chipper. They have a positive outlook on the future. Maybe, kind of maybe your uh, opinion will be changed after this story. Let's hear it. A priceless 300-year-old statue in Libsyn's National Museum of Ancient Art was shattered after it was knocked over by a tourist trying to snap a selfie. Yeah. Oh, boy. Museum officials said the statue of St. Michael, which dates back to the early 1700s, is broken beyond repair. The offending tourist reportedly posted a photo of the destroyed statue to Facebook and said, it's the price to be paid for free entrances on the first of Sunday of every month. Portugal's Ministry of Culture said the accident has raised concerns about adequate security in the museum, which museum officials said was lacking. And uh, Portuguese, <laughs> Portuguese authorities are still investigating and are unsure if any charges should be filed or will be filed against the tourist. Wow. Oops. So I just gave a whole presentation on how we need to become the selfie-less generation. Yes. Because I'm sick and tired of hearing about all these people doing things such as this. Um, in fact, there was a story back in February about a group of tourists in Argentina who found a baby dolphin um, mm. in the water. They picked it up out of the water and started to take selfies with it. And because of their actions, the dolphin passed away. Oh, boy. So it's, it's, it's kind of a problem. It's something we need to consider a little bit more, yeah. I'd say. You're so vain. I mean, at some point, think of others. If, absolutely. And some people don't even, they, they are selfieing themselves right off a cliff. Yes, or you're harming yourself, yeah. or you're climbing to the top of a tower and danger yourself. Carly Simon's been talking about this for years. Yep. You're so vain. You are so vain. I don't know that it's just millennials. No. Vanity has been a big part of every generation. Selfie is becoming a social thing. Yeah. That's true. But it encompasses the self-centeredness it might of be, millennials. It might be a lot of older people trying to feel young. That's true as well. By following the youngins. 
the, lead yeah. with the uh, the selfies there. Yeah, I do it because I want to seem young. It's like Matt's on on Snapchat, right? Uh-huh. I've got a selfie stick. Wow. I've never put my camera on it. I just use it to keep people away from me. Or, or as a cane as you <laughs> hobble around. As Jeff takes a selfie, selfie during our show. Yeah. Well, then. So should, much for trying to stop that. He epidemic. should be worrying about the levels of the audio, and instead he's selfie taking. Are they not uh, to your liking? No, they're fine. All right. But I'm just saying, in case Carly. You know, brought this it up. song, we could just blast this song, and it would still be appropriate. Totally would. Thank you, Sadie. <sighs> Sadie, not selfish. Giving. Some squirrels attacked residents at Deltona uh, Senior Center in Florida. Listen to this. At least three people were attacked by a squirrel in the center Thursday afternoon, according to a 911 call. The caller told dispatch at least three people were being attacked by the squirrel in the activity room. It's jumping on people, biting them, and scratching them, the caller said. It's still in there, and people are bleeding. Wow. People can be heard in the background asking each other if they are if they are all right. I feel lightheaded. I don't feel good, a woman said in the background during a more than three-minute 911 call. The squirrel was eventually tossed out of the building, but the caller said people required medical assistance. A trapper was contacted, but it's unclear if the squirrel was captured. They need to send in uh, Harlan J. Hickam. Harlan could take care of that. And Harlan is our... Uh, Wildlife whisperer, he can he can get animals, crocodiles, uh, gophers. I think he even wrestled an armadillo in Texas once. Yeah, it it didn't end so well though. Yeah, but this squirrel's got a problem. Obviously, mad about the Trump election. So he's taking it out on rest home. Right. Rest home and the they residents. Pro- that was there. probably a well, polling the, site. Those right? are the yeah. ones that voted for him. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Makes it tough. That's tough. But you got to feel for the squirrel. And you got, well, hold it. You actually have to feel for the seniors oh, well, yeah, that yeah. were attacked. Sure. If they could have just got out of the way. No, they couldn't have. <laughs> Squirrels are fast. All right. Some can fly. Do you not remember? If people attacked by a squirrel want to play the victim, wasn't let them Rocky do it. a squirrel? Rocket J Squirrel, yes. Is that his name? Yeah. I don't know. Squirrel! He had that moose as a friend, mm-hmm. being chased by those Russians. And he always had to wear the goggles. Yeah. And the, uh-huh. Rocket J Squirrel. Got to watch out for that. That's a crazy story. Um, that's uh, another kind of weird contest we talked about last year was the grave digging contest in Slovakia. Yes. It's back. Ten There's- teams from Slovakia, Poland, and Hungary are competing uh, last Thursday through the weekend, I guess, for the title Fastest Grave Diggers in Central Europe, which is a really big title. So, I mean, you have multiple groups of people digging holes. Yeah. That's the contest. Right. The whole exhibition is about getting groups of funeral companies together to celebrate the industry. <laughs> It's about showing people how hard the grave digger's job is. The contest graded teams on speed and accuracy as graves had to be dug to exact specs, five feet deep, six and a half feet long, three feet wide. Hmm. No modern tools were allowed, only shovels and picks, which made for demanding digging. Uh, I mean, that's hard. I don't know if you've ever dug a hole that deep, but that's you have. That's a big job. 
I wouldn't recommend it. No. So I think Trump got the uh, the grave digger vote too. Did he? The coveted grave yeah. digger vote. It, I mean, coveted is the word. Yeah. Even the Slovakian ones, he was able to get some Slovakian votes, too. He got a lot of Russian votes, they say. That's what they said. There was an ambassador from Russia, so he's had plenty of contact with the uh, Trump campaign before the election. He had an in with Russia. I think think they're actually planning a a dual photo shoot Mm. with Trump and Putin on horses, bare-chested. Of course. With their hair blowing in the wind. Absolutely. What other way would you do that? And their abs will also be blowing in the wind. Just put them next to Fabio, and then they'll look even better. Mm. Nothing makes you look better than sitting next to Fabio. He still looks great, by the way. Saw him in a Whole Foods a couple years back. (laughs) Not even kidding. He did have that incident on the roller coaster where the uh, seagull hit him in the face. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Did the seagull live? I'm not sure. I know he had a bloody nose and... There was some surgery because he he, hit pretty hard. Now he looks even better. Yeah. So you saw him in a Whole Foods for real. Yeah. Yeah. He was doing some type of a tour, some type of a healthy tour. It looked like his hairline was receding a little bit, Mm -hmm. but still looked pretty good. He's like, I'm Fabio. Did he have a fan there to just blow on his hair? There was a. So he could flip it and blow? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do when I go to Whole Foods. It's very voluminous. Couple other notes. Yeah. McDonald's, they have introduced new food. Hold on. The McDonald's? The McDonald's. Actually, it's McDonald's Italy. Why would they need new food? You always want to update your your offerings to your people, right? So uh, McDonald's Italy announced a Nutella burger. Come again? Nutella, the hazelnut spread. Why? On the hamburger? Well, it's basically just chocolate hazelnut spread slathered on a bun. Ugh. But someone decided to take a to bake a dark brown stripe into the brioche bun to make it look like a meaty patty. Oh come on! So it's just bread and Nutella, but it looks like there's a burger in there, so it's kind of a gimmick thing too. Yeah, totally gimmick. So thing. would you buy bread with Nutella? Like no, a, a hefty amount of Nutella, probably an unhealthy amount of Nutella. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, I mean, well, people I mean, are buying that, but I don't need to go to McDonald's for that. Oh yeah, I mean, they already did it for you. I mean, if they now if they put some fries on that, right? Yeah, I do that. Okay. In other news, uh, how do you get a bumper sticker off your car? Why? Why would one want well, to take just, a bumper? We just sticker? finished election season. Maybe your candidate lost. Maybe you're mad at Hillary, and maybe you're like, you're I'm not Hillary leaving that on. Did, yeah, and so. Or, or maybe your neighbors are How egging your you house. How do you get a bumper sticker? I've never put a bumper sticker on my car. If it's car. on the bumper, this is from uh, WKYC.com. So some local uh, TV channel went ahead and brought these tips okay, just for you. Good. Helpful. If it's on your bumper, first wash the surface to prevent grit from damaging the paint on the next with the next steps. So wash it. Make sure wash the surface it. is clean. clean. Use a hair dryer on its hot setting to soften the adhesive. Stay okay. a few inches away and work from the center out. Okay. Yeah. Next, use a plastic card like a frequent shopper card or a hotel key card at an angle to gently scrape the sticker loose using a sawing action if necessary. Okay. Sawing action. Once it's removed, repeating the heat and scraping can remove any residue or try bug or tar remover designed for use on paint. Yeah. Yeah. Are you writing this down? No, yeah, totally. Okay. Slow down. Finally, use some quick detailing spray and a clean cotton of microfiber cloth to finish it off. Because there's always that extra oh, yeah. little piece there's the of goo. the goo that's there. For window stickers, you can use a razor or a blade scraper. It seems extreme, but the glass is pretty tough unless you have some tenting on there or something. 
Uh, I got or some my, advice. My advice is just don't put that stuff on your car. There you go. Just a thought. Don't fall into that trap, folks. Don't fall into that trap. Craziness. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk uh, to two parents who have taken their nine kids on a road trip, an 18-month road trip. We'll find out why you choose to do that and uh, how you keep the house or the trailer sane. Interesting stuff, folks. Stick with us. Parenting on the Road. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. You know, sometimes it can feel like just rounding up all of your kids to get in the car to get them to school every morning can be a huge feat. Not to mention having to deal with all the quarreling, the crying, all of that that goes along with that. But what happens when you uh, lengthen the time from, you know, a trip to the store or to school to 18 months? Today we have a special couple joining us. Mike and Megan Norp are parents of nine children, five of whom are adopted from China. They decided one day to load all the kids into an RV and take a road trip around the country. And they join us today from Temecula, California, to tell us how it's going and to, and to share with us their experience and story for why they would hit the road with all nine of their kids, 11, families, 11 family members in total. Mike and Megan Norp, thank you both so much for being with us today. Thanks. Thanks, man. Fun to be here. What are you thinking? <laughs> this this seems I have six children and I yi that's a big undertaking. It is. Yeah. I think um well, I think both Mike and I just were kind of aching to to um, put ourselves through something crazy. <laughs> you did it. You did it. Now, you, what a beautiful family. I've been watching the videos on YouTube. And again, I would highly recommend everybody go to YouTube, subscribe to your site, because there there really is an amazing unity of the family. Um, you have five children that you adopted from China um, and and four of your children. And so one big, beautiful family. Talk about like the decision, really, Mike, when you sit there and you think, OK, let's just go on the road. Um, what went through your mind, and, and how do you guys make a living, and how do these kids go to school? Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll take uh, a part of that. We, we've home, so the first thing is we've homeschooled for, uh, I think, about eight years now. So schooling from home was nothing new for us. And one of the things that we would do as part of our schooling when we lived in a typical sticks and bricks house was, uh, once a week, we would go out on what we call Family Fun Day, where we'd go somewhere and do something or see something, um, typically within a two-hour radius of where we lived, which was in Charlotte uh, area of North Carolina. Um, and we really found that that was our our best day as a family. Like, everyone hmm. had a good time, and we were just, kids were learning stuff. They were getting their hands on stuff and seeing things. And we just started thinking, what if we did this more often, and, and, and then it kind of evolved into what if we did it all the time um and and then megan really was the person who who i guess flipped that switch and said let's how about an rv why don't we do that because really everybody kind of dreams about traveling in an rv around the country and doing that kind of thing so we we do work from home so that was possible and uh so we just decided to hit the road that's amazing i've been watching the videos and 
it's it's so well organized how you do this. It's an RV. It's a fifth wheel, so you tow it from a truck, but then it looks like you also take another van to get everyone to fit. And do you just go park at a uh, in one state and stay there for a month? How long do you usually stay? Yeah, that's exactly right. Mike pulls the fifth wheel and I drive the van, and then we'll we'll typically stay in a place for one to two weeks. We'll be hmm. in a state for longer, but you know, a certain part of the state. So we were just in southern Utah for a couple of weeks, a week in Moab and a week in St. George. And then we just leave the truck with the RV and just take the van everywhere we go as we travel around together. How great. I mean, the kids are seeing a lot. So far, you've been to Washington, D.C., New York City, Philadelphia, Colorado, Idaho, Washington, Utah, Oregon. Um, what, what's been the—you started this in May. What's been the biggest highlight so far? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I think, you know, the big cities were really fun, even for Mike and I. Sometimes, it, you know, we, we realize as we're out on the road, we've never seen this. We've only <laughs> seen it in a textbook. So that's been really cool. But I think we really, really enjoyed um, southern Utah. And maybe, maybe that's not exotic enough for people, but that's just one beautiful location. And we love the Oregon coast. Yeah. I, I really, it's hard to say, but it's all been so different, but also amazing. How do you choose the next area? that you're going to take on? Hmm. Well, you know, we just last night we were, we were kind of planning out our next month in California. So we just kind of look at a map, um, kind of look at what's in those different areas. And, and really it's, it's, it's pretty much going off of, of how we feel or what we feel like we should, we should go see off of recommendations from people. Um, we don't plan too much uh, or we don't set things too much in stone. But really, it's just typically us sitting down in an evening and looking at a map and planning about, you know, a month in advance as far as what's in this area, what do we want to see, and then is there somewhere that we need to be um, for sometimes we have family functions that we're trying to get to. So sometimes we have uh, a calendar to meet. That's cool. What's uh, Tell us about the background of your story. Uh, again, the videos. What a beautiful family and so unified. It almost you can see that the kids are all used to learning to work on their own, doing stuff on their own, reading. A lot of them are reading. They, it's you would have to work well together. How did your family come together? Um, I think we when you homeschool, you're always together. So I think that definitely added to the family unity. Um, and as we've homeschooled, you know, it started more like public school at home where we just tried to, we even had a school room and a blackboard and we got like a little posters that teachers put on the walls that are so cute. And, um, but slowly really transformed that to be more child-led. So our kids were self-motivated and choosing what they wanted to learn about. So they're, they're really great that way. And it's exciting to watch them and on their journey and the things they're excited about. Absolutely. As we've gone on this trip, the kids have gotten closer because now they can't run to their friend's house down the street and um, there aren't, we've, we aren't doing any them. play dates. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've forced the unity on them. No, it's exciting. And some of our kids, when we hit the road, had only been with us for a few months. And so that's been a huge part of the journey is um, watching them start to integrate into our family and become part of the family culture and just learn the family culture because mm. there really is a big culture in the family. And um, and as, you know, I think you grow closer to someone when you do fun things together, when you, ha- when you share these common memories and or even when you go through hard things together. And well, so yeah, yeah. we're also kind of like on we're it's like accelerated bonding for sure. And, and I guess what I'm hearing is 
that everyone adapts, everyone learns. And it's it's at first it seems overwhelming to me to think of. I just went to Costa Rica with my family and. By the end, you're like, "Okay, we're done. We're done. We're done." But but it also seems like you I've said that a few times. did. You, have you said that? But you you really do become you get used to it in a way, and you probably it be. I mean, what a beautiful moment or moments. What a beautiful year and a half. Yeah, yeah I well, after and, eleven o'clock at night, we can't think about it too much. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can't make any decisions of that later. We'll just head home and call it good. Do, um, but it, it is interesting because the kids, the kids really do kind of get on board and and do adapt to the situation. What what challenges are hitting you that you didn't plan for? That that just you now you're surprised. Like ah yeah, that's a bigger deal. <laughs> I think um, the thing I the reason I wanted to do it was because we felt like we were just kind of stuck in. Um, spending so much of our time doing the things to keep our life going, you know, in chores and in running errands. And so now we're just completely in the present all the time and having these great adventures. But I think that's also what's difficult about it. We don't have a lot of time to, um, you know, get those little things done. And so we only get down the most important parts of those little things. Hmm. But also we're never in our comfort zone anymore. You know, even when we go to the grocery store, it's a new grocery store. And so we have to look for the milk every time. Where is it at in this store? Or when we go to church, because we go to church every Sunday, Hmm. we're always surrounded by people we don't know, you know, and we have to go to a new class and introduce ourselves again. So that is probably the hardest part for me is just we're never in our comfort zone, which is exhilarating, but it can also be pretty exhausting. Oh, yeah. And so many of us, you know, we we kind of shy away from such change. And you just took it on. And I guess you force the hand every day. Totally. That's amazing. Well, let's take a break. We're speaking with Mike and Megan Norp, um, really undertaking, I think, something I mean, unbelievable, something I think we'd all like to try for a bit. Uh, They took it on for a year and a half. Go to YouTube. You can look up um, their YouTube channel, Norp and South 11, Norp and South 11, or just go to their website, norpandsouth.com, to to get a taste of their lessons, the insights to family, and how you can live in 400 square feet or less and on the road. Powerful stuff. Change. It's, It's inevitable for all of us, and sometimes it's good to force it once in a while. We'll be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. friends to the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us, Mike and Megan Norp. Uh, they have taken their family, nine children, in a, uh, I think it was a 400 square foot RV on the road, and they're changing uh, their lives, facing consistently change out of their comfort zone. You can find out more about the travels if you go to Norp, K-N-O-R-P-P and South, NorpandSouth.com. Also go to check them out on uh, YouTube as well, Norp and South 11 on YouTube. Um, so Mike and Megan, what so far, what stands out as the biggest memory for you all? Uh, and, and, and what would you, what advice would you give to anyone else that's thinking, hey, maybe I'll take my family out? 
Yeah, I don't know if there's one memory that stands out. I think it's a really interesting dynamic because we're doing, we're we're going to such different places all the time, and so it's like condensed down, you know. And so we're actually kind of really glad we have the YouTube channel because we go and watch it to remember too, even though yeah. we've only been on the road for six months. It's like, oh, I totally forgot about that in New York City, and oh, I remember when we were at that museum. And so it's it's really difficult when it would be an amazing trip to take your kids to Washington, D.C. alone. But then when the next week you're in Central Park with your kids and the week after that, you know, you're in Amish country. And, and so mm. it's hard to really say there was one amazing thing because we, they really all are, are all incredible. And we try to go to places where where their sense of wonder is always engaged. Mm. So I think it's it's impossible to say it's one thing. But we definitely have moments that were hard where the – the RV, you know, broke down or where we're stuck in traffic for hours. Mike had to drive the the RV right down Central Park. Our, our GPS led him right down um, Park <laughs> Avenue. It was it was like a nightmare. But. Holy cow. That was a trip, yeah. I bet that was a trip. Driving well, your RV through New York. Don't, yeah, don't drive your RV through New York. That's my biggest recommendation for anyone going on the road. <laughs> Don't do that. It's a great lesson. <laughs> now, how do you guys afford to do this? This seems like, and because I've tried to work on the road, I've tried to work on a vacation with my family. I couldn't focus and get it done very well. How do you manage it all? So we, before we started, we had a business with um, with DoTerra, which is an essential oil company. Yeah, um, they're based in what close to close yeah, to like there. Pleasant Pro- Grove, Utah, or Pleasant yeah, Grove. somewhere in Utah. Yeah. So we built up that business basically for about four, almost five years before we left on this on this trip, and it, it got to the point where it was supporting us and didn't require our our full time attention. So it's kind of a combination of um, that kind of supporting us without full time attention, and also we have the ability to still work on that business on the road. Hmm. So as long as we have a phone and an internet connection, we can still work on that and and build that business. So that's really the the key that's made it possible for us to that's great this trip how do you get uh personal time and how do you i guess it seems like there's a moment where everyone needs just a break from each other do you ever just like Mm -hmm. we we always on road trips pull out the quiet okay quiet time next one to speak has to do whatever (laughs) and we make and we just what do you guys do to get quiet time as a couple and then how do you get how do you get space for the kids to just have their own moment so as a couple, we, we've always been very intentional about our, our time together. So even before the trip, we every Friday we always had a date night, and we still do that now. So every Friday night, Megan and I go out. Hmm. And then and then sometimes in the evening after the little ones are in bed, we let the older ones stay up a little bit later. If we, if we need to run an errand or we need a trip to the store, Megan and I will just go together because that gives us that little bit of time on our own. So... I think Meg and I are definitely uh, aware of that and thinking about it. Um, and then as far as the kids go, our our older kids oftentimes, or I shouldn't, maybe not often is the right word, but they do require some time on their own sometimes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, Megan is better at this than I am, but she'll kind of see when somebody might need a little space and we'll say, you know what, Let's we're all going to go do this, but if you want to stay behind at the trailer and just chill here and and they'll oftentimes take her up on that and just have the chance to decompress. No, oh, that's great. By themselves. I saw a really, again, I would suggest to anybody listening, 
that they just go watch your YouTube channel because just watching it during the show, I, I got to see Megan do the We're Moving dance at breakfast, <laughs> which was really awesome. And um, But it's also, I Megan's think... dancing is, looms large in our family. Does she, sure. does she dance through a lot of these videos? <laughs> That's great. So it's, they're not just informative, but you also get Megan's dancing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But one of the cool things, too, I see is how you really can live on so much less. And it's mm-hmm. and we hear about the tiny house kind of living and all of this, but a very happy family. Your son brings his guitar. Your kids bring their hobbies. We're, there's still a classroom in the house. I guess as we wrap up, guys, both of you, give us your best uh, – what's the best takeaway when it comes to family and when you actually make time for it and space to be together? Yeah, I think – Something that's always been part of our parenting philosophy is that you need to have fun together and that you need to create those memories together. And I remember a couple of years ago, a woman told me that as her, her father, he was passing away and he said, I don't spend your money on things, but spend it on creating memories. And so that that's really stuck with me and obviously translated into what we do now. And it's just such a pleasure to see my kids um, together, you know, kids who didn't used to play together now walking arm in arm or um, playing games. I love to watch them come into their room and see them playing board games and um, whispering and, and never going to bed. I mean, it's, it drives you crazy, but it's also such a sign that they're developing friendships that, that we know will last throughout their whole lives. And we also know and trust that as they get older and as they experience hard things, they will always be able to look back on these memories and, um, and, and they'll be like a treasure we've given them. So it's a pleasure, even though it's difficult sometimes. And even though, yeah, I definitely want to run out screaming into the street sometime, but it, I know that I'm giving them something that I can, I, that it really will last a lifetime for yeah. them. Beautiful. How about you, Mike? What's your takeaway? We've got about 30 seconds. Well, basically that you can live with less, like you said before. We got rid of a lot of stuff and really haven't missed any of it that I can, that I can think of. So living with less and simplifying is a, is a great exercise for anyone. Man, you guys, I, I totally admire you. It's gutsy, but powerful too. Everybody, go watch the videos of Mike and Megan Norp and their family. Um, all you got to do is go to their website um, and just go to YouTube. Look up Norp. I've got to get them straight here because you don't want to you don't want to mess it up. Norp and South Eleven. If you go to Norp and South Eleven on YouTube or North and Norp and South Are there ten other Norp and Souths? Yeah, <laughs> apparently no. There's eleven people in the family. Oh, that makes oh, sense. Yes, yeah. yeah. all over the country. Mike and Megan Norp, folks. We'll take a break. Come back. Visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We will shoot it down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jeremy. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Matthew. Hello. They did it again. Who did what again? <laughs> BYU beat another 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 team. And in they, sports. It was, it was sports. It was SUU. In American football? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. It was that was always going to be a win. It's great to beat Southern Utah, man. <laughs> Utah. Southern. Why do you keep? Why do you keep? You just you you're like it's almost like you're downplaying the Southern and upplaying the Utah. A couple uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Mount St. Mary's played BYU. And mm. so I said, Mount St. Mary's in town. <laughs> and then we had, uh, yeah. what was it? Eastern Kentucky so it in sounds the Marriott Like Center. you just beat Kentucky. Yeah, we just beat Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I, yeah, I, that worry. A, I worry. I worry. eligible. That's the good news. That's the key. And that, yeah. was, that became a big That's part cool. of the game. Um, Absolutely. Tw- 12 straight bowl games, Manny. That, That's tie- 11. Is tied for tenth in the country. That's a good streak. That's that's a great streak, uh, boy. Uh, t- twelve straight. I've had twelve straight bowls of cereal. Mm-hmm. Yep, that'll do it. Made me sick. Made me sick. What yeah, do you I think? I can't imagine it would make you feel good. It, I worry, and I, we talked about this. I think last year because it seems like they hit really hard um, when they play Southern Utah University, and maybe some of the Southern Utah players aren't used to this level of hitting. I don't know if they are or they aren't, but there were some serious hits last yesterday. Oh, yeah, when was it? Saturday. It's, it's fun to watch the pads collide. You know, modern-day gladiators? Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it Jurgens? He got racked. That was uh, a Bush League play. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, that, and that guy, I can't remember his name. Was it Needham? Mike Needham? Yeah, that. He, I act like I didn't know. <laughs> Mike Needham left... He went to the locker room before the review was even done. He knew. He knew he, knew he was guilty as charged. Yeah. Once your heads like, collide, Peace. yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, he probably went to lunch. That'd be funny. He's just hanging out in Provo. What's sad Sorry about now. that is everything I've heard about Mike Needham is that he's like this great guy, really good kid. Just It was a dumb play. Just adrenaline pushing yeah, you. Just a dumb play. He knew the second it happened, he knew he was done. Well, and any other moments that stand out for you guys as a good sign for BYU? Taysom Hill threw for 300 yards for the first time all season, and he did so in, what, two and a half quarters of play? Yeah, he had some plays that were beautiful. If anyone questions if he if he's accurate, he was yesterday or hey, Saturday. The fourth and 17 to Nick Kurtz for a 31-yard touchdown pass was a beautiful, mm. beautiful ball. Doesn't it remind you of you back in the day? When I was at Clinton Elementary School <laughs> emulating Ty Detmer, my hero? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I never led one of my friends into a tree and caused him to get twelve stitches either. No, that that was that'd be bad. <laughs> I, it sounds like you did do that. Yeah, shout out to Tim Burry. Sorry, Tim. Is he overcome that? Is he still walking? <laughs> yeah, he caught the ball, but, but you, he you caught the ball one foot in front of a huge oak tree, and his uh, right eyelid paid the price for it. Holy cow! What kind of quarterback does that? Listen, somebody that wants to win at recess, okay? Actually, Tom Brady did it last night to the Gronk. I don't know if you saw that. Gronk got totally gronked. Go Hawks. <laughs> Gronk got gronked. He like done got gronked. In so many ways. What's, uh, <laughs> what, uh, your show, you're doing your show today, right? That we are. What, what are you talking about on your show? Today is the basketball preview show because the men's basketball team season begins today. Tonight, in fact, against Princeton, 10 Eastern. You can listen right here on BYU Radio. Wow. Watch on ESPN, too. So we're going to break down our expectations for the team this year. Tim Lacombe, assistant coach, will join us. Uh, associate head coach, actually, will join us uh, on the show today. Also, Paul Sabin of ESPN Analytics. He'll give us an idea of how good he thinks and the numbers think BYU is and Princeton and the WCC. Man, that's a good show. It's good to be us, right? And Princeton, for heaven's <laughs> sakes. 
Yes. Yeah. Princeton's a good team. 22-7 and seven last year. Top 50 RPI. Made the NIT, but they returned 99% of their scoring. So they're a veteran team. They start four seniors. BYU's young. First home game. Pressure's mm. on. So this is a good matchup, and it's a part of the ESPN tip-off marathon. So you can watch Gonzaga San Diego State tonight. You can watch or listen to BYU Princeton. And then Pacific, another WCC team, plays after BYU. So WCC triple header. How cool. And plus Princeton, they're smart. Well, we'll see. Well, <laughs> smart does, doesn't always uh, get you a made jumper, you know? That's a great point. I mean, unless you're going to measure it. right? Smart gets dunked on by Eric Mika sometimes. Oh, boy. Here you know what go. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. You guys don't have to convince me. You may me. win an endowment money, but we may win after 40 minutes. Ooh. Put that we'll, on a we'll bumper see. sticker. That's what we have to say. Meme it. Meme it. Okay, guys. Uh, blog I, it. B- blog it. Hashtag 05. Have a great show, guys. Seriously, knock them dead. Thank Proud you. of you. We will try really hard. I was, you guys, I watched your pregame uh, last, uh, when was it? Saturday. I keep saying uh-huh, yesterday. Uh-huh. Didn't Jerem do an amazing job producing that? Jerem, I'm telling you, it's a great team effort. With Brian and everybody there, and I kept telling my kids, I know all these people and the guy producing it. The production value's so high, huh? If our host wasn't good, it wouldn't matter how it was produced. That's right. Brian Logan (laughs) killed it. (laughs) Yeah, he did, didn't he? Just kidding, kids. Okay, you got to go. Stinks. Yeah, that Spencer drives me crazy. Terrible. He leads people into trees. He's a horrible quarterback. (laughs) Okay, knock him dead. Go kill it. You got it, brother. Peace out, yo. Hey, um, a hospital charges. This is a crazy story in Florida, believe it or not. It's coming out of Florida. A South Florida mother says she's being charged thousands of dollars uh, in delivery charges, even though she gave birth in her car in the hospital parking lot. Paula DeMore uh, says that she wasn't um, that she wasn't expecting to have to pay all these fee- uh, fees because she delivered her baby in the car in the fire lane at the Boca Raton Regional Hospital. Demari's husband caught the baby's head as a nurse ran out of the hospital to help with the rest of the delivery. Seven months later, the hospital sent the family a bill for seven grand, which is a full delivery fee. Makes sense. I mean, how much of the baby has to be out to call it a delivery? Well, I mean, think of all the charges that they're going to incur with a car delivery. You know, you've got to hire the valet. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Good point. And if the stereo is on, mm-hmm. they've got to charge you for that. Yeah. Uh, do you want the car to be cleaned? Mm, yeah, you got to bring in the cleanup crew. Yeah. She says she planned for birthing costs prior to the delivery, but since she made it, she didn't make it to the delivery room, she thought the hospital would just adjust her bill. Well, they didn't. And the hospital is not commenting on the case. That just goes to show you that hospitals can charge whatever they want for no reason in particular. Yeah. I mean, if the dad delivered the head and maybe... A shoulder. I mean, I know, by the way, from being an EMT, it is the shoulders of the baby that you got to, there's a trick to get the shoulders out. I'm not going to get into it. It's very graphic. So maybe the nurse helped there and you got to hold a gentle pressure because it's dangerous. I'm just saying, had they not delivered in the car, I'm sure the bill would have been exactly the same. Wow. That's why you got to plan ahead. You're going to get charged either way. What she should have done is just pulled up to, I don't know, not the hospital, maybe a fire department. Even if she stayed home and they delivered there, they'd still get a bill. (laughs) Hey, we heard you delivered in our county. Yeah, so you got to do the county delivery charges. So do you want to keep the baby or not?
It's crazy. That's crazy. Hey, also, if you're keeping score um, with elections that, you know, there's still some polls that are or some election results that are in question. An Oceanside man who died of natural causes in September was elected to office in the coastal San Diego County more than a month later. So a man who has passed away, Gary Ernst, was elected to Oceanside City Treasurer by a six percent margin over Nadine Scott. The uh, election results are expected to be certified on December 7th by the council. But Ernst died September 23rd, which did not and did not allow enough time to remove his name from the ballot. So it was on the ballot. And apparently he got about 17,659 votes. And we've got a, a piece of his victory speech here, too. Let's hear it. I'm not dead. No, he is dead. He is dead. Well, and I mean, that's sad. You not only lost your husband and father, maybe, and brother, but you but you also won the election. Ah, I guess that shows us how few people are paying attention because it seems like I'm sure they were talking about that, that, you know, he had passed away three months before the vote, two months before the vote. Well, let's vote for him anyway. It always seems like you're more popular when you're dead. That's what they say. That's what they say. As you know, we always like to tell a hero story as well as we wrap up the show. One nine-year-old girl, Katie Stagliano, was in elementary school. Her teacher gave all the students an assignment to plant and grow a cabbage seedling. Katie's cabbage went on to become an unusually whopping 40-pound vegetable. So the Stagliano family decided to donate the greens to a nearby soup kitchen in Somerville, South Carolina, feeding 275 other people with her cabbage. And she ignited a spark in this young student and led her to create Katie's Crops, an organization now that encourages other kids in America to grow their own vegetables and feed thousands of hungry people nationwide. It is the most incredible feeling to know that there are kids across the country who are as passionate as me about ending hunger, Katie told Good News Network. Together as a family of growers, we are helping to grow a healthy end to hunger in our communities. And uh, so far, the gardeners have already served over 2,000 meals, donated thousands of pounds of produce across the U.S. And so we want to thank Katie. She is the hero of the day. Katie Stagliano for taking a project and turning it into something bigger. That's how you become a hero. You take the ordinary and you make it extraordinary by thinking of other people. That's the show, my friends. We'll be back tomorrow to help you see the good in the world and give you more ideas, more information to live longer, love stronger. Until then, let's take care of each other and let's make it a great one. We'll talk again tomorrow.